Century Geek Outdoors. Good evening, one and all. It's Boxing Day. This is a very, very short notice recording we do, we're doing here. Uh, I'm back. We, I'm so, so pleased to have the one, the only, Coach Angel Garcia with me. Angel, how are you doing, sir? Well, uh, contrary to other people's thoughts and opinions, I'm still here. So that's a plus on either side that uh, you want to take it. Um, most people have written me off and figured that I wouldn't be around come Christmas time. Uh, you know, I think that you and Anthony, you know, let it out, what was going on with me and stuff like that. But uh, I have been away from archery for a few months months after spending so many months and weeks in and out of the hospital and stuff and uh i'm still here so just being here is a good thing oh yeah that the doctors at the last the the place you were in initially yep. their prognosis was atrocious wasn't it i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna die when, when i spoke to you when you're in hospital i mm. sat there and i blotted like a fucking baby yeah they they didn't give me too much of a chance for anything and the way i look at it like this you know switched treatments did everything else so any day you get extra is gravy. So I figured, you know, just go on and do what I got to do and keep going. And, uh, you know, I already did one podcast since coming back and then I had a couple setbacks and I was about to drop another one and couldn't do it. And I got released yesterday again. So I'm like, you know, after I, <laughs> I chatted with you and Anthony for a little bit and I go and I say, Oh, he's making a podcast. Then you, Mentioned a couple of things, uh, being a little, let's just say, enhanced for that <laughs> podcast, as you would say, free of your inhibitions. I'm like, I've got to listen to this. And I listened to it last night and today. And I got to tell you, it was very inspiring, to say the least, because you're really cut loose. And I said, you know something? This is something that I need to do with him. I need to get on there. And I need to let out some frustrations of my own. So I said what better way to do it then with Richard on his podcast let's try this <laughs> I'll tell you what I think I dread to think how many F and C bombs I dropped in that last one I swear there were more motherfuckers in a Samuel L. Jackson film well that's the whole thing it was very very it was very very honest upfront, and entertaining and it was wonderful and it covered a variety of things that let's just say when you're in in and out of hospitals and literally spending weeks at a time where you're not sleeping at all because I mean during the worst part of it I think I was getting maybe an hour's sleep every two or three days um, you kind of entertain yourself by watching well to put it frankly stupid shit that's on YouTube um, seeing the way the world is literally falling apart around you and you start to think you know this unfortunately is it's bullshit and uh, you start to come back a little bit Aided, whatever. So when they finally did let me out the first time, I had been away from archery for about three months. I came back, and let's just say my view of things was very, very different. Not the way I look at the way I train the kids or anything like that, because the one constant I had, those kids were there through every every worst part of it. I mean, they, they were always trying to see how I was doing, coming to visit me. Everybody else kind of like stepped away with the exception of like you two guys who were always checking up on me, but it it kind of changed the way I think about things, the way I think about the industry, 
the way I think about things in general. So the only thing I will preface this podcast with is look out because I am not going to be Mr. Nice Guy and some of the shit that we're going to talk about, yeah, um, it's going to offend some people. Probably in the archery industry, I don't really care. Um, It's like you can be phony all you want and not show your true feelings, but every now and then you just have to let it all out because if not, you keep it all bottled up and you lose your mind. Um, That being said, there's a lot of stuff that has come up since then and all that and a lot of the stuff that you brought up from shooting stuff and all that and just how people treat each other every day that I thought bared some, some worthiness for discussion. Oh yeah, I mean, I, 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 I looked at the show notes from the one I recorded Christmas Eve, and I thought, "What the fuck did I record here?" When I put a warning in the end, it's not safe for work, and expresses uh, opinions that may affect beaters and those without a spine. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, "Wow." Wow, this is really, really letting it all hang out there. And it was, um, I don't know what you were down in, but it sounded like it was some Johnny Walker or some Wild Turkey or something else going at uh, there. Well, Couldn't really be be a real... <laughs> I, I don't really know if depends. you've heard of Bailey's Irish Cream. It's a whiskey Oh, yes, cream I know mix. what it is. Yes, right, there's a, we- there's a Welsh version called Merlin, which is really, really nice. Really? Uh, little supermarket, do a slightly weaker knockoff version uh-huh. of it as well. And then I've got a litre of bottle. I've got, what, about two-thirds of a half of a litre bottle of Jack Daniels honey in front of me. There ain't oh, much geez. of that left now. I did the two bottles of the cream liqueur. Yeah. And probably about third of a bottle of Jack Daniels, third of a litre of Jack Daniels honey, all in the space <laughs> of just over an hour, and I don't drink. Wow. So, well, oh, yeah, you can imagine the state I was in. <laughs> I still haven't had the balls to listen back to the last episode yet. Well, I was sitting there um, because they had me laid up over the weekend, um, which sucked to be in there on Christmas Eve and the Christmas holiday, but whatever. And one of the kids, when I say kids, a lot of my, a lot of my students are now going into their mid-teens, late teens. Some of them are in their 20s now. Um, but one of them, because they knew I couldn't have my roadcaster there and everything else I, I used to do podcasts. So they actually went, she's a law student, and she brought me a little device called the Zoom of all things. And I can record podcasts on that Zoom. So I'm like, okay, great. Uh, she brought me this thing there. And right after I chatted with you and all that, I said, you know what? Let me try to record a podcast from here. Um and you know how I get wound up sometimes on them. So I try to do this on mine and try to keep it clean all at the same time. However, yeah, that wasn't happening. Uh, and a couple of times my monitors went off and the nurse walked into the room and was literally yelling at me like, what is wrong with you? Because I was <laughs> piping off that bad. Um, so I'm like, I promise to be good. And she says, you got one more chance. If I see your monitors going off again, I'm coming in here and it's not going to be pleasant. And I'm like, is that a threat or what? She goes, yes, it's a threat. And let's just say she was a very large woman. So I was not about to take take it lightly from her. Um, she could have bench pressed me. Uh, so I'm like, okay, fine. 
And about 10 minutes later, I lost it again when I was trying to do the Don't Be That Guy segment. Mm. And she came in and promptly stripped my headphone and my Zoom unit from me. And I did not get it back till this morning when they released me. So I was like, well, there goes that whole idea of trying to record something for for the Christmas uh, show and all that. That ain't going to work. Um, and there went that. So I said, you know what? After listening to what you wrote, what you recorded i'm like oh there is so much here and i can be so much more free on this one because my students don't listen to your podcast they're not permitted to Uh, (laughs) and i'm like yes we can we can really really go at some people here and that's exactly my intention see i I, i've got such a sick and twisted mind if a nurse like that had said that to me i'd have just looked at it and said either don't threaten me with a good time or just looked it dead in the eye said yes mommy dominate me uh, bit me lip and yeah <laughs> no 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 that was not working that way with this um she she was she was not a large woman meaning robust she was a large woman period um probably one of the nicest nurses i've ever had but with the meanest streak streak in the world and she was a good 511 and probably tipped in about 270 Wow. So she was all built. I later found out that she she used to be in the service as well. So I'm like, oh, what were you doing? Lifting up tanks with your bare hands so they could change the tracks on them or something? <laughs> I mean, for real, she was gigantic. And she goes, look, you're a nice guy. I know you deal with kids. But if you ever pull some shit like that in here again, I'm going to break a leg and you'll be in here for, for, uh, for orthopedic help. I'm like... Thank you. Thank you so much. And I got the shit out of there as fast as I possibly could. <laughs> so that was the end of that story with her. But yes, I was not about to um, take her lightly. Oh, no. Oh, God. I think I'd have to shat me pants. I really would. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd, you'd, yeah. you'd say you'd, you're now under a different hospital and receiving a different treatment. Yep. And so things mm-hmm. are looking better for you. It's, it's looking better. Um, unfortunately, the stuff that they give me sometimes has really bad reactions to me. A lot of it's pretty um, new new stuff. Um, it's not on the experimental stage, but let's just say they had written me off with the other stuff on standard conventional stuff. And um, they had this doctor went a different way and immediately got results from it. So I don't know if it's just somebody smiling down on me or if it just turned out to be like they used the right stuff. But part of the problem with the medical industry, and if there's anyone listening to this who's in, you know, the medical field, don't take this the wrong way because it really doesn't have to do with the people on the bottom. It has to do with the people up in the top in the pharmaceuticals and all that. Oh, yeah. Their interest is not in getting people better, unfortunately. Their interest is in shepherding them to an, to an, to a certain conclusion let's just say yeah so Basically, they, they the want to make you come the richer you are the longer yeah. they'll keep you alive because the more money that can milk you for in drugs exactly so because if if there is a cure out there you know how all the conspiracies say well there's a cure for cancer out there but they won't let it come out because all the pharmaceutical injury uh companies are going to go uh desperately broke you know if that does exist out there it wouldn't surprise me it's not one of those things that i know but i can tell you that they're the basic treatment and stuff like that it's not really designed to help anybody it's designed to get you through something um onto whatever end they've designated is you're going is going to be yours so if they keep you know in their own 
words they say they they told me i had six months to live that was nine months ago yeah they said you'll you're gonna you're gonna get about six months this is nine months later i'm still here granted if i had stayed where i was i probably wouldn't be here i was pretty pretty far gone at that point i said i went um, i spoke but, to you they'd given you about four weeks four to six weeks haven't they yeah that that was all i had left um at that time and then someone else got involved and got me moved out of that place and got me onto something else and a month later i was able to actually walk around when i hadn't been able to walk for a few weeks so yeah you know it it's um it's a bit of a change in perspective for how things work i'm willing to deal with the setbacks that come with this like when you get sick from a medication change and stuff like that that's fine but um one thing i'm not willing to do is to just roll over and die as they say because that means you just given in to everything that's going on and you know how I am with the kids when I when I teach them the one thing I do teach them is don't give up on what you're doing if something's not going right for you you just can't get frustrated and give up because if you do that with anything else in your life you're basically screwed um, nothing will ever work for you you just have to find a different way around it have a different way of looking at it and in the end that's the approach that I took to this and lo and behold i'm still here i'm not saying i'm some kind of a guru or that i met with some kind of mystical you know uh confidence boosting person or anything like that it's just a realization that you come to now you're either going to give up or you're going to say no i got to find a way to beat this thing and that's the path that i'm on right now um it may be that this you know only gives me a little bit of extra time or it may be that i don't have to worry about it for years I look at it like this. I'm now 53 years old. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was in a, in a room and in the other part of the room, cause they're segmented off. I had a kid who was 19 years old. Okay. Jesus. And he had leukemia. I'm 53. I've lived a long life. I've yeah. been through a lot of stuff, seen a lot of things, done a lot of things. If it ended for me tomorrow, that's okay. I've, you know, it, I would feel like I still have a lot of things left to do. But at the same time, I got to live a life. I got this kid next to me who is 19. He hasn't gotten to live his life yet. So, you know, I even talked to him and I'm like, you can't give up, you know. And it's just one of those things where if you give up, then you're basically going to have everyone else give up on you too because it's not going to work for anyone else. So it's all about what you and you want to do. And that can be applied to archery. That can be applied to any number of things. Um, it really depends on what you as a person are willing to do. So if you have, you know, the inner strength in yourself, and it's not always easy to find. A lot of times you'd be down in the dumps and you think all is lost, then you can pick up the pieces no matter what. And that's what I've been doing. I mean, you compound everything that I went through, and a lot of people don't notice about me, but some who do work close to me. I went in the course of less than two years from being 100% on top of everything I'm doing to being in the worst knockdown, drag out divorce in the world, which that was what it was. And it pro properly bankrupted me, did all kinds of crazy stuff. But then having this, you know, getting stricken with, with lung cancer at the same time, that hits you. Yeah. And like, it seems like the whole world is, is just coming down on you. Well, yeah, I could be financially broke and strict, stripped of everything that I have. Um, but at that point, you have an option. You can either give up or just rebuild from where you are. Because no matter how you look at it, there's always somebody else 
in this world worse off than you. So if you can come with some kind of semblance to make everything right and pick up pieces and slowly but slowly build things back to where you want them to be, then that's all it takes. No one can take 100% away from everything away from you except for you, and you do that by giving up. So... Yeah, I'm still here, but enough of the, um, I, I've, you know, I've, the, I've got to say, the you depressing are, stuff. You're possibly <laughs> one of the most stoic and resilient people I've ever come across. And I, I, this podcast weird for me. I'll open up about a lot of things I wouldn't normally, and I wouldn't open up to people next to me, but I'll talk to the fucking world about it. I had never been particularly stoic or resilient, and I think there's this whole thing going on in the Western world at the moment they don't want strong alpha males the politicians this is maybe it's conspiracy theory bullshit i don't know but it just seems like we are being pussified they're celebrating weak men they're celebrating men with no stoicism with no we need men in this world with great big hairy balls the size of coconuts and backbones made out of rsjs and it seems like they're the last people that are being promoted and held up as role models. They want weak ass. Exactly. Pussy. They, they want fucking pussies as role models. The governments don't want men who will stand up for and fight for what they believe in. They want men that will be subservient. They want weak ass little beaters everywhere. You know, the thing is, that, like in that chat that we had with Anthony uh, on Messenger, he, he had mentioned something like, and this goes back a long ways because when I was a kid, okay, and I was being taught and I was first starting to shoot tournaments and stuff like that, the only thing that mattered, and I hate to say this, the only thing that mattered was if you won. Of course, you had to be a sportsman, you learned how to participate, and you learned how to had to be human to other people but at the same time the only thing that won and then i'm going to say it's about it has to be almost 20 years ago this thing started where all of a sudden like you got a medal for showing up yeah so it went from that you know everything after first place is a loser yeah to now if you were there you're a winner just because you showed up and that that has done a lot of damage to people because it's made people soft and it's not just made the 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 side of men and all that soft it's done it's done it to everybody yeah because now if you go you're you're you you pace you place 27th out of 27th no you did a great job you're there and there's no motivation to do better and that's the problem and one of one of the guys I did a podcast with uh, oh, it's got to be over a year back now, it might be a little less, I'm not quite sure, I can't remember uh, his name is Jason Sankowiak, he has this traditional outdoors podcast he's, he's based up here in Michigan, yeah. I think he's moved down south since then and the one thing, he did a podcast once and we talked about it, and he said well, yesterday's you know, average is today's exceptional and that becomes a huge problem and it's part of everything that's going on right now because what's going on now is what used to be average you know just getting by well if you're just doing the same amount of work today no you're great you're great because the guys who were doing what they call average these days wouldn't even be employed 
back in the day. Yeah. So it's the same thing where years ago, if you were competing and you took second place or third place out of 50 guys or whatever it is, then you were, you know, okay. You were about average, whatever. It was fine because you won every now and then. And most of the time you just placed. That's fine. You worked hard for what you got, but you still accepted the fact that it wasn't winning until you got to. And that forced you to work until the point where you won. Well, now, well, no, that's if you were average before and you win once in a while or you just play second, third, tenth, whatever. Oh, you're 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 today's, you know, exceptional person. You're doing great things. And, you know, talked with Anthony on his podcast, talked with you about it when I work with my girls, um, since most people who don't know on your podcast, I'll just tell you like this. Um, at my highest point, when I had so many different students, I had 61 students and 59 were all girls because I have an easier time teaching girls. It's just yeah. they, they listen better, whatever it is. However, the thing was that I didn't bring them you know, into the archery world and they're all this woke nonsense and stuff like that that they're doing now. They competed just like everybody else, and that's the way I train people. And the one thing that they did all understand is first place is is the most important thing, and that's what drove them to compete. That's what drove them to do so well. Um, and then every you know a second place, whatever that shows that you're working towards something. But at the same time, they started to tell me like second place is just a first loser, coach. It's just what it is, and they didn't care about second place or anything like that. So fortunately for those kids, the mentality has has stayed normal back to the day the way I was brought up. But for most people now, it's not like that. And like you said, what we're dealing with, especially in the states, is um, the. <laughs> I'm going to get banned for saying this. The pacification of the American male. <laughs> that's what's it's happening. Over here and they're just well, trying the to make it. of the Western male as a whole. <laughs> yeah. And guys aren't guys anymore. Um, most, a lot of guys do not, uh, you know, serve their country or anything like that. And I'm, I'm not saying that you're a bad person if you don't do that. But back in the day of my dad and my grandfather and all that, that was the norm. Now it's the exception. Yeah. Um, where if you have 10 guys, maybe one did some time in the service and the other one didn't. Um, there's other countries in this world, like Israel, for, for, for that matter, where you're forced to do that. You know, back in the day in the States, we had the draft. Yeah. That was during wartime. For the most part, if you're family, you know, you, you grew up, boom, into the service, you get out, you're a more well-rounded individual, go on to do whatever you can do in the rest of your life or you stayed in the service, whatever. Yeah. Now it's like, uh, going into the service is kind of um, the last alternative people got sometimes, and it shouldn't be like that. But again, it has to do with what was a traditional value back in the day has now been taken away and changed into something else. I mean, for God's sakes, even Disney's going crazy. But at the same time, I will tell you, uh, even what, and this this is what gets really weird, because when I'm sitting there in bed, and I'm looking at these YouTube videos on my phone, which I had to sneak in because you weren't supposed to use your phone while you're in there anyway. <laughs> and I'm like, you know something? This bullshit transcends into the archery industry as well. Oh, and I'm God, like, yes. what in the fuck is going on? I, I, I'd <laughs> I'm like, like, holy shit. <laughs> I like the hunting side of things, particularly with men like Dan Staten and Cam Haynes. Because I mean, Cam Haynes has always said he was not blessed with talent. He got where he was 
by being the hardest working motherfucker out there and when everybody else exactly. is asleep in bed if he wakes up at three o'clock in the morning he doesn't try and go back to sleep he gets out there pounds the pavement he runs he lift weights he shoots and he has out he mm. has outworked every fucker there is and look how successful yep. he is Dan Statton hard as fucking nails again works and works and works I've got to get myself in, back into this mindset when I started the whole weight loss and getting in shape journey I've, I'd, I'll openly admit it I'm a lazy fat fucker who loves food and hates exercise and I was starting to book that and Tex Grebner he had a phrase you've got to embrace a suck he said he always lives his life three cookies away from disaster because he's, he's like me he's not a guy who naturally loves exercise he doesn't love being disciplined in his eating but I think if we can learn this discipline in this it will cross over into other areas of our lives and make us better people I was going to say better men in relation to men yes I oh god I'm going to sound fucking woke now saying I don't want to upset ladies but if women do this Anthony was I was talking to Anthony about 75 hard so he recommended Andy, mm-hmm. Andy Frisella's podcast and he said yeah. Steph did 75 hard got to day 73 and got hit by a real real bad dose of the flu he said but that discipline yeah. instilled in her doing that she mm-hmm. now lives her life almost by the 75 hard rules where she follows a good eating plan she drinks a gallon of water a day she does two five, 45 minute workouts and if you're thinking well hang on a minute Steph's running a full-time business herself, doing everything herself. So she can't say, oh, I'll clock in at this time and clock out at that time. When she's down, you know, when she's swamped with orders, she has to work every hour God sends. She still finds time to look after the kids and still finds time to work out twice a day, eat healthy, drink plenty of water. That should put me to fucking shame. It really should. And, and here's the thing. So th- this is, and we're going to get to this in a moment as far as the physical fitness thing and all that that I heard you talking about. Because here's the thing that goes on right now. We are about, well, we're exactly less than a week away from New Year's Day. Yeah. Okay. And everyone knows that New Year's Day is the time for New Year's resolutions, what you're going to change, what you're going to do, and all that. And the same thing that I tell my kids, meaning my students, I don't have any kids of my own, but I tell my kids, what I tell people, adults that I trained, stuff like that is, because I would get a few of them saying, well, no, come the New Year, I'm going to commit to doing this indoors, doing, doing this many rounds and this and that. I know a a million other people have probably said this in the fitness industry. I've learned it firsthand seeing it for myself. And I'm just going to say this. New Year's resolutions are complete and total horseshit. And the reason why they're horseshit is you could decide, I'm going to start doing this. And you know what happens when you start doing it? If that's the only reason you say, well, it's a new year. I'm going to try to turn over a new leaf and do this. All that go get go and stuff like that all that ambition that you have to do it it usually wears off after about a month and then after that you start going a little bit less a little bit less breaking down doing this doing that now you see it if you go to a gym 
because the worst time to go to a gym is January and February because that motherfucker is packed with people who made all their resolutions and then go there in the end of February, beginning of March. There's not a fucking person in there except for the regulars who were there. Yeah. I, two of my girls work at gyms and they tell me this all the time. Oh, we're going to get the New Year's assholes coming in now. They're going to be here from for the first two months and we'll never see them again. They sell more memberships and all that debt. Now, that does not say that if you want to go ahead and you want to start something that you can't. What that does tell you though, and I'll get into why this is kind of coinciding with what you're doing in a second, but what that does mean for all the other people who are listening to this is this, okay? You can do anything that you put your mind to. And I'm not talking mystical, spiritual bullshit and all that. I'm not, okay? I'm talking simple fact. If you get up one day and you decide, I am never eating all this bullshit that I used to eat. I'm actually going to pay attention to my body and I'm going to do something. That's what they call a life change. And it's not because it's just some kind of thing that like, you know, you're getting pressure on to do it from everybody else. All of a sudden, sudden, something snaps in your head and you just said, screw this. I'm changing this because A, if I don't, something bad is going to happen to me or B, because I'm sick and tired of the bullshit. So you make a mental choice to do that. Now, what happens to people is a lot of times they will stop doing it along the way or they get discouraged. It's too hard. I'm running out of time to do this and all that. About, oh, this is, I'm going to say about seven, eight years ago, okay? Yeah. I, and a lot of people don't like this guy, but I talked to him for, I literally talked to him for five minutes because I was in the airport and I ran into him. And I actually met Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? Yeah. And, we were flying back and forth, and one of the kids says, "Isn't that Arnold Schwarzenegger?" I said, "Yeah." Oh, he he looks so so awesome in this and that. I'm like, "Well, we can go talk to him." I'm like, no, you can't just go talk to him. I said, "Yeah." I went over there, introduced myself to the guy, and most human person in the world talked to me, right? Yeah. And he told me one thing. Okay, maybe he's got a head case about it, that everything about him is fitness and this and that, whatever. I don't care. You can see all kinds of bad things about the guy. I could give two shits about his personal life. But he did instill something into me in the five minutes I talked to him. And what he told me is, well, if you, I'm sorry about the accent. It's just the way he said it. He goes, <laughs> well, if you think you don't have time to work out, you always have time to work out. Trust me. Because if you got five minutes of the day to do this, think about it. You're doing this, five minutes of this, 10 minutes of that. You have 10 minutes to drink a coffee, right? Yeah, sure. Add all that bullshit together, and you get at least three hours of the day when you can do workouts, you can do something. So you have no bullshit excuse not to do it. And I, when he said that to me, a bell went off. I'm like, holy shit, he's right. Yeah. Because if I take all the other time that I fuck off during the day or I'm not doing something during the day, I could actually turn that into two or three hours of working out or doing something more productive. And I've had... I've instilled that in the kids that I teach because, like, you can never say that you don't have time to do something because if you re-examine everything you do on a regular daily basis, you can find a place to do that. So what happened to me, okay? Now, YouTube, if you're listening to this, this is for you because I really, really mean this. You'll recall that when I started my YouTube channel, I only had a couple videos on there, but one of the things I put up there was the high power archery challenge. Okay. Yes, I remember that. In no way during any of that bullshit did I say you should be eating this, you should be doing this. All those videos were about was, hey, 
I got out of shape because of injuries and everything else that was going on. And I went from 165 to 218. Okay. Wow. And you think that that's, that's a lot of weight. Yeah. And you think that, well, you're just letting yourself go. You're not necessarily letting yourself go. It happens really, really fast because if you go from a regimented thing to all of a sudden letting everything else get to you, in my case, it was the divorce. In my case, it was going back and forth to the doctors and having them tell me their bullshit, all kinds of stuff like that. Everything else doesn't seem to be as important. So you start breaking your regiments and what you're doing. So if you look at doing all this as a diet, it'll never work. You have to look at it as I'm changing the way my lifestyle is. And that's the way I was for a lot of years. Well, when everything else came down on me, and like I said, I have nobody to blame but myself, I let myself go. I would never eat fast food. For the love of God, never ate that stuff. All of a sudden, maybe once or twice a week, I was eating McDonald's. All that shit comes back to get you. And I gained all that weight in the course of about three and a half to four months. Wow. So that was bad. So when I came up with the High Power Archery Challenge, what I said was, I want you guys to follow me on what my updates are going to be as I try to get back to where I was. Okay? Yeah. And I think I did five videos, okay, over the course of five weeks. Five videos. I went from 218 down to about 203 in five weeks. I'm not doing any kind of crazy crash diets. All I was doing was getting back to the way I used to be, the way I used to eat, the way I used to do things. I mean, I went from a guy who was doing thirty to 40,000 steps in a day, and I don't walk for a living. I sit behind a computer desk. I was doing 30, 40,000 steps a day to doing, if I was lucky, 5,000 steps a day, which basically means you're barely alive because the average person, without thinking about it, if they're stuck at home, is doing 3,000 steps a day. Yeah. So all that loss of activity and all that, it all killed me. Now, I started tracking it on there and people responded to the videos. And I'm like, listen, this has nothing to do with weight loss. Your challenge could be anything that you're trying to do. You want to improve your score? You have to strive for a moving target. Something that if you put a stationary target, you know, and you're shooting at 10 yards, great. What's going to happen is you're going to get complacent of shooting at 10 yards, you're going to hit that sucker, break arrows and all that. Well, guess what? After a while, you don't give a shit about shooting 10 yards anymore and you start to fall off. So you have to move the goal. You move it to 20 yards. You do the same thing, move it to 30 yards. You never get satisfied with where you get to. And that was part of the stuff I was doing during the challenge. And I'm getting a little wound up, but I'm going to tell you why this really fucking pissed me off. Because about a week after I put up the fourth video, which, by the way, didn't even mention anything about dieting or anything like that. None of my videos did. I know because I still have them archived somewhere, though YouTube maybe delete them, whatever. I have them somewhere else. I get an email from someone at YouTube telling me that my videos have are going to receive a black mark. There's some jargon that they put together because I'm giving health advice and I'm not a health professional. And I say, oh, for, fuck's sake. for the love of God, are you kidding me? I don't even mention any of this stuff. But the thing with YouTube is they're so big, there's nobody to talk to. Unless you have a million fucking subscribers, you don't have a rep. And even if you do, that person, they probably change them like they change their underwear. Yeah. So I had no choice. Lose the channel or just take them down. I did. I got about 150 emails for the next four days from people like, what happened to this? And I 
just explain to every one of them, hey, they made me take them down because they say that they were doing health advice and all that. And not for nothing, in my time in the hospital, I'm reading and looking at all this bullshit that's on YouTube. There are people telling you to do all kinds of weird diets and stuff like that. Do they get stricken? No. Are they health professionals? Fuck no. They're not. But they pick on the people who they know are too small to do anything. Oh, God, yeah. So what I did was I said, okay, fine, fuck it. I'm not going to get involved with it. And then I was going to try to come up with another way to do the challenge where they couldn't say shit about it. And then that's when I got into the really bad stuff. And that's when I was pretty much bedridden after that. I was like, okay. So I, I, I gave I up on I still say there's a certain young, a certain female fucking outdoor influencer out there. Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't get me started on that, dolly that of you. With a thousand <laughs> pins, giving you, giving you fucking such bad juju. She sat and she sat there making that wax dolly look like a fucking porcupine. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I I know. I think it was probably her, but doesn't make a difference. But then when I was so so, here's where we're getting to the part that comes to do with you. So when I was at a commission for a while and this and that, the first. I don't know if you know much about what goes on when people when they have cancer, but the great majority of people, um, their metabolism gets out of whack and they start to lose a lot of weight really fast. Yeah. And the first time that I had it, that helped me lose a lot of different weight. And I, I would never suggest cancer for anyone as a weight loss metric. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> but it, 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 I mean, everyone else that, that that's gone through cancer, you know, they. After a while, when, when they pretty much write you off, at first you're down and depressed, and then you start to look at a comical side of the shit that people say about it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and, and I'm not out of the woods yet, so I'm not joking about something that is not currently affecting me because it still is. But I was like, you know, of all the fucking things that can happen to somebody when they have cancer, why why couldn't, like, you know, instead of losing all the weight, why, why couldn't, I don't know. I'm just going to say this. Why couldn't my Johnson get bigger or something like that? They call me tripod. I don't fucking know. But none of that good fortunate stuff happens, but you would lose weight and stuff like that. So right before I went to the other treatment, one of the, um, I don't know what you would call this guy, but his job was to make sure that your your muscles didn't um, didn't degrade and all that. Because when you sit in the bed, you start to get bed sores. You're, you're not yeah. really using your, your body. It's like you're in space for a long time. Um, but one of the things he told me is like, look, man, because I think I had gotten down to 185 just being in there two weeks. Okay. Bloody and that hell. was not from eating right or anything like that. It's just you start to lose a lot of your weight. So losing weight is great, but not the way it was happening to me. So I literally was starting to look jaundiced. My face started to look weird. And he's like, look, man, you're on the down swing. You're losing all your, your body mass. You're losing your muscle. You're losing fat. You're losing all this. He goes, this is what happens to people. I say, yeah, I know the last time I got into shape, but then I got better. And he's like, look, I see this too often. And, and he told me this in confidence. I would never mention his name or anything like that. But he said to me, he's like, look, you can do what everyone else in this fucking place does and just take it for what it is. Take the supplements that they're going to give you and get by until whatever happens to you, either you get out of here or you wind up, it winds up killing you. Yeah. It says, but if I were you, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to eat like a fucking pig. You need to eat as much as you can, keep it pumping into your system. So there's no way that your system can, can 
do bad to what's already there. It can't eat away at something that that is constantly deteriorating. Yeah. If you do that, you're going to actually put it on faster than you can lose it, and it'll. I think it'll help you. I, when I was there, I think I was eating maybe once a day, and if I could eat a a bowl of oatmeal, it was a lot. Wow. Um, I purposely forced myself because, again, my goal was to get out. My yeah. goal was to get better. They switched me to a different treatment. I said, I'm going to do something different altogether. I'm going to eat like a fucking horse. I don't care. And I did. And my weight started to go up, which I don't know if that helps with the treatment or whatever. The doctor said it was only a good thing for me because maybe I wasn't eating all the best stuff in the world, but I was actually gaining weight as opposed to everybody else who normally went through this, who was losing all the weight. Yeah. So I get, I by the time I got out of there, I was... Oh, I think it was back up to 206. So I gained a lot of weight really quick. Yeah. Which was good. And they put me on the new treatment and I started to hold steady with that and everything went fine except for the occasional setback, like what happened this week, whatever. But now I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I made it past what you would call, you know, walking all over this broken glass. Yeah. Um, look, looking at the other side, but fuck, I'm 217 pounds again. So what do I do? And then I hear you last night when I'm listening to this and I hear you saying what you're saying and all the stuff. And I'm like, you know what? He's got the right idea. He's fucking sick and tired of the bullshit. And no matter what, he wants to get back to being like, he doesn't look as bad as he used to, but he wants to go back to what he's doing and say, fuck it and just get with it. So what I'm going to tell you is this. And I how can I say this without pissing off the wrong people? I'll just say it. I don't give a flying fuck what YouTube thinks or anything else. As of this date, my weight is 217.3 pounds. Okay? Yeah. I'm going to do what I got to do going, and this is not a New Year's resolution bullshit. This is changing my lifestyle back to what it used to be. And it, it's a, And this is the same thing that I think that anybody who is on one of these places who finds himself where they are can actually fix themselves, okay? And again, to cover Richard and the Archery Geek Podcast, this is not medical advice in any way. This is mental advice. If you are complacent with what you are, you are quote-unquote fucked. Because being complacent, if you're in the water and you're just like floating there, eventually you will fucking sink and you will drown. So if you find yourself, and this is talking to anybody, men, women, doesn't make a difference. If you're purple from another fucking planet, I don't care. If you find yourself in those desperate times thinking, I want to make a life change. I am, you know, my life is fucked up no matter how fucked up my life is. And I'm dropping more F-bombs in this thing than anybody else, but I think it's for a purpose, and God knows when Anthony listens to it, he'll be like, wow, he was really pissed off. I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> but here's the deal. If, if, you, if you are in that point in your life, and it could be you went through a nasty divorce, uh, quote, unquote, been there, done that, most fucked up thing in my life, but yeah, I'm still here. If you are overweight, suffering from diabetes, suffering from any number of things. If you've got fucking cancer, it doesn't make a difference what it is. 
if you are complacent to live with what you have and deal with the hand that you've been dealt and say, that's it, this is the end of me. What that results in is two things. One, you're fucked, your life is going to go to shit, and the only one responsible for it is not you, not, it's not the disease that they gave you, not something that somebody else did to you because of the divorce, whatever, don't get me started on that bullshit, any of that. The only person responsible is you, okay? You may not have put yourself there, but you're the one responsible to get yourself the fuck out of it. So, what I tell people is very simple. You, As with anything else, in archery, in life, in weight loss, it's all the same thing. If you are going to go ahead and be happy with what you are, and by happy, I'm being facetious. I mean, you're really fucking miserable. Some guys after a divorce are like contemplating self-deletion and stuff like that, which they should never do because it's when they don't get into that mindset that I can get myself out of this and they start to feel so bad for themselves that that happens. And I hate to tell you that happens with people when they gain weight. That happens to people when they go broke, they lose their job. They're scared of fucking the C word, which is, you know, the, I forget what Greg Poole calls it, but, but um, we'll call it cogent instead of COVID, whatever. I'm not going to say it. I I love Greg Poole. Whatever. (laughs) But when you become complacent with it, you've accepted your fate that you're doomed. If you say, fuck this and fuck everyone else who has condemned me to this, I'm going to do for me, not for anybody else. I'm not doing it to look better for that girl over there who I work out next to in the gym. I don't give two shits what she thinks. You know what? She might think I look better. I don't care. The only person you can do any of this bullshit for is yourself. So now, if you're willing to make a change for you, not for anybody else, then you do it. And it's hard work, yes. It can't be looked at as a diet. Diets are called diets because they're temporary, okay? There's, there's so much negative connotation in- with diet, isn't it? You, you feel as though you're yes. depriving yourself. You not feel as though you're doing yourself good. And as soon as you say diet, your brain says, fuck me, I am hungry. Exactly. And it's the same thing that when I'm training the kids. They're like... um, I have other coaches that I run to, like, when do you start training your kids for, for nationals? I'm like, the kids are always training for nationals. Well, no, I start training them a little harder um, a couple weeks prior. I'm like, that's your fucking problem. Because if you have to train harder for something, that's a temporary state. Yeah. And it doesn't go, it'll make you get a little bit more advantage, but it doesn't make you any better in the long run. That temporary peak you might have, goes away really fucking quick. Yeah. And guess what? People who do that, they learn how to shoot. They can shoot a 300 game, right? Yeah. So that's 30 arrows, maximum 10 points for the 10 ring at 20 yards indoors. They can shoot a 300 game. You know what happens to those people who only train for that tournament really, really hard and aren't constantly moving the moving the goalposts for themselves and training harder? So my girls, they shoot a 300, they shoot it with 20. 20Xs. 20Xs is not the goal anymore. Your next goal is 24Xs, 28Xs, 300 with 30Xs. Okay, fine. Now I want to do two 300 games in a row. So I'm constantly moving it on them. Well, those people who go ahead and they do this and they train like, I'm ready for Vegas. I can shoot uh, 300 games, 30 hours, no problem. You know what happens to them? They go to the next 
like Lancaster, they have these um, semifinal shootoffs and all that. They fucking fall apart. Why? They train to shoot 30, 35 hours perfectly. Yeah. Well, guess what? They get tired. They get this. They fucking break down. They fall apart when they're shooting 50 or 60 arrows in a day. So my kids may only have a 30-arrow tournament. You know what I taught them? Train for a 100-arrow tournament. Yes. You go to a 30-arrow tournament, it's a fucking joke. You, you're shooting 30 meters, train for 50. Who cares? Make it harder on yourself. And when you get really good and you're breaking arrows at 50 meters, guess what? You're shooting 60. And then you're shooting 70. So you leave it somewhere where they can easily achieve it. It's always got to be making your move to go somewhere else, somewhere else. That even has to do with people working their jobs. They're, they're like, okay, I got this job, whatever. Fine. I try to be the best thing at the job that I possibly can, but not because like I want to work like a, what's the word that some of the guys in my London office use? I want to like work like a fucking stupid bloke for this for the rest of my life doing the same exact you. fucking job. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm working hard so that I can move up to another position so I can be valued for what I'm doing. And they say, you know what? He's really good at that. He'll be good at this. Yes. You know, and I'm not doing that for the boss. I'm doing that for fucking me. Because guess what? If I don't, if I do that for anyone else, then I'm relying on someone else to, to do something for me. Yeah. But I'm doing it for myself because now all of a sudden, well, guess what? If the, maybe this is the same thing where you're working. But if the fucking people above you are saying, well, you know, he's the hardest worker we got. Just keep him where he is because he's going to do the work of 10 other people. Well, fuck them. Because what happens is when you become the best at what you do, you go somewhere fucking else and they'll recognize your talent. And they'll give you a different job doing a better position doing something else. Oh, so don't you get always have to be striving to do something better. Oh, I know. I know the feelings. So for this whole thing that I'm going to start, the High Power Archery Challenge is going to reappear on YouTube within the next week or so. Excellent. And what we're going to do what we're going to do and like I said if I have to make another YouTube channel for it I'll do high power archery fitness I don't give two shits I'm going to do something different because now I can change handles and stuff like that Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it the problem that people have right now when they start something like this whether it's trying to shoot better or trying to lose weight and all that is very very simple they want someone to prove to them that it can be done Okay, so when you see these great examples online of these people, they, you're like, well, if they can do it, if he can do it, or she can do it, fuck, I can do this too. Unfortunately, what happens is that a lot of times the people that you're seeing doing this are these ripped, muscle-bound assholes who are like, and Cam Haynes is a good person if you meet him in person, okay? But his physique his bullshit that he does running through Death Valley in 120 degree heat for 100 miles and stuff like that is not realistic for the average person. Oh God, no. And if you try to if you try to adhere to what he does, one of two things is going to happen: either you're going to hurt yourself, or you're going to give up, or even worse, you might fucking get killed doing it because it's not sensible for someone to do on that level. You can't oh, God, go yeah. I mean, from can- Mr. Potato Head to. To Cam flex Haynes Armstrong in one day. He's not your average guy. He's, he's been doing this, what, 30 years to get where it is. I, exactly. What I, what I like about him is his attitude of if you outwork everybody else, you're going to outperform everybody else. Yeah. And the whole thing with, 
even with archery, if you watch any of the archery videos that are out there by quote unquote the big names in 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 archery, and they could be big name hunters or big name target shooters, whatever you want to call them, and you're like, well, this is how you do this, and this is going to improve your score. Complete and total horseshit. They may be showing you a different technique when you're setting up your bow, maybe making you easier. But what I find happens with that, and like I said, this bounces from fitness to archery and all the other bullshit in between. What I find happens with that, it sets an unrealistic vision of easily easily acquired success. Yeah, Nothing, when it comes to success, it's fucking easy. Nothing is. So if you see a guy and he's like, here's the new rest from this company and this is going to make you a much better archer, I'm like, bullshit. It doesn't make a difference. It may be a little easier to use, a little easier for you to tune, but if you don't have the skill that goes with it they're not willing to work on that skill to make that piece of equipment work for you, it doesn't mean a fucking thing. Oh, gotcha. So I see all that everywhere in the archery industry now. I hate to say it, but it's every fucking company does it, no matter who they are. They come up with some new bullshit and they say, this is going to make you 100% better. Okay. What they don't see in all that nonsense is that there's people who are very, very gullible, susceptible, whatever you want to call it, who, because they are so desperate to try to do better at something, will believe that line of horseshit, go spend money that they don't have on something, and sacrifice putting food on their table so they can buy a new fucking rest. And that, that has always disturbed the shit out of me. And that's why when I was a PSE dealer, I was probably the worst salesman in the world, in the world because if you didn't need it, I wasn't going to sell it to you. I wasn't going to try to push something on you. And everyone's got to make a living. I get that. But the whole thing is responsible advertising. You want to come out with something new? Fine. But don't go trying to say this is going to improve you by so big that you're going to become the next person in Vegas to win because that's bullshit. And it's the same thing with the nutritional industry and all that. Well, no, you don't have to work hard here. Take this supplement. You'll lose the weight 20 times faster or get into this system and lose the weight a thousand times faster. It's all horseshit. Oh, God, how many people got into shit fucking diet pills? You don't have, you know, where they were saying you don't have to cut your eating. You don't have to up your exercise. Take this magic little fucking pill and you're suddenly going to look like fucking Chris Hemsworth as Thor. What utter bullshit. It's fucking horseshit. And there are some dumb fucking cunts out there that believe you can fill yourself full of all the fast food you want. You can do fuck all exercise. And by taking this magic little pill, you suddenly become a fucking superhero. You thick twats. The best part of you ran down your mother's fucking leg. Yeah, and the the thing is, that it's it's affecting all areas of instant gratification. Yes. The, the willingness to do anything necessary to provide a shortcut to your end goal is everywhere in this world in this day and age now. And you see it, I'm talking about fucking everywhere that you see it. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. I get released today, okay? I need to go buy a couple of gifts for the family because I was locked up in a hospital for, yeah. for a couple of days so I need to get last minute gifts for the family I go to the shopping mall what a fucking mistake that was okay I go in there and what do I see and and this is not 
a jab at women or guys in general. It's just what it, it is what it is. I go there and two stores that, that I'm walking by. One is by Macy's where they have like their whole makeup and, and fashion section. The girls are getting made up in there. And I see more girls with Botox in their fucking lips with all kinds of other bullshit that I see going on, fake hair extensions and all that. And then I go to GNC and all the jocks are in GNC buying all these different fucking supplements so they can jack up for the new year and all that. And I'm like, what the fuck is this world coming to? Because everybody wants a shortcut and they're going right to the store trying to buy it. So they're not getting something injected into them. They're buying some other supplements so they can try to cut themselves up and do something unnaturally. And God only knows, in the end, what that bullshit does to you. So instant gratification becomes a big problem. If you're willing to start small and work your way up, it's everything will work for you. You cannot go from eating McDonald's five times a day to eating celery and lettuce the next day and expect not to have some kind of weird impact on your body. Yeah. It does not happen. So all I tell people is this. Yeah, I'm 217.3 pounds, whatever the fuck it was when I looked at it this morning. I'll lose the weight, okay? That does not mean that all of a sudden I'm going to go and drop myself to a 500-calorie-a-day diet. Yeah. I know places – I've tried that. I know places have done it. That's fucking suicide, Okay. Unless it was medically prescribed that you have to live on 500, 500 calories a day, you're out of your fucking mind. All it has to do with this, this. And when I was, I think, eight years old, I had a doctor, and I was a chubby kid. And I had a doctor, he says, you need to lose weight. And he explained to me exactly how weight loss worked. And the way he did it, he goes, look, he drew a little picture on, on a piece of paper. He says, see that? That's the factory. If you put more into the factory than the factory can handle the factory throws out a lot of garbage that becomes fat yeah but if you put the right amount to the factory then it'll burn what it needs to burn and it runs normal and if the factory is full of garbage but you put less into it but it moves and burns hotter you wind up bringing the factory back to where it needs to be and it runs normal again so the simplicity behind weight loss is eat a little less it doesn't have to be drastically less but by all means move more if you're the type of person who can't walk then you move a little you try to walk around the block maybe once a day yeah or you try to walk back and forth up your stairs once a day with me because i've done it before at one point two years ago i used to run six miles a day and i don't mean on a treadmill i would get up at three o'clock in the morning run two miles come back go to work run another two miles covid I said the bad word, messed everything up, okay? Because now all of a sudden people are working from home, you can't do this, you're not allowed to be outside, all the bullshit, and it kind of messed me up. Well, I can't go back to running three miles a day now, but I'm goddamn skippy if I'm not going to go back to, to running or at least walking for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and eating less and changing what I'm eating, so instead of putting all kinds of processed shit into my body, no, I'll eat actual chicken that I actually cook for myself. Yeah. Congratulations, people. There's such a thing as going out there, buying food in the store, bringing it home, and cooking it for yourself. People what? have lost that whole concept. I, I got now back into like, this idea prepared. of not having time to do this. So I was, I think it's Christmas morning. I was up before anybody else. I'm, I'm just have a quick look on YouTube. 
and watching <coughs> oh god the, I can't think of his name now one one of the the big guys in bodybuilding and he actually in real time food prepped an entire week food in one hour so fucking healthy and I thought well hang on a minute yeah. I'm doing something majorly fucking wrong if I can't find one hour out of the 168 hours there are in a week to do something so beneficial for myself to just have good home cooked food from fresh ingredients then you just throw it in the freezer when you come home from work mm. whack it in the mic for three minutes and it's reheated there we go it's done how fucking easy is that that goes into that whole thing that all Schwarzenegger said where he's like you can't tell me that you can't find time mm, yeah there's always time so if you meal prep at the beginning of the week you may open up your refrigerator and see a whole stack of containers. I grab one, like you said, I heat it up, I'm done. I don't worry about that the whole week. Now my my excuse that I have, which is I don't have time to cook for myself, so I got to eat the shit on the street, that's gone. Yeah. So you take care of one facet of it. Yeah. And that does a lot. Just changing what you're eating oh, God, yeah, goes mate. miles towards making it so better. The, the difference it made so, with me was unbelievable, and I've slowly been slipping back into bad habits. And I've, I've, I've never been what you can class as an alpha male, never in my life. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know what? Fuck this! I'm 51 years old. I'm sick and tired of seeing the world being pussified. The world needs good men. The world needs strong, <laughs> resilient men who are full of fortitude. And I have got to change my mindset and stop letting other things control my emotions, control how I feel, and keep giving me motherfucking excuses for not being the person I can be. And I've just got to fucking kick myself up the arse, embrace the suck, and fucking go for it. Give myself achievable goals. But like you said, when I've hit one goal... Don't be. I'd, I'd got to a point where I'd sat back and rested on my laurels. I thought, you know what? I've seen a change in myself. I've lost some weight. I haven't lost all the weight I wanted to. I haven't got into the shape I wanted to. So what you've said tonight has really, yeah. really resonated. Hit goal one. Set goal two. Let's go after that one harder. When you've hit that one, set another goal. Let's just keep going after goals. Move the goals when you get to them. And go hard after the next one as well. I mean, when, when I initially so the big, lost the, the weight big, and started yeah. getting in shape, fuck me, I felt better at 50 years old than I ever had in my fucking life. I felt exactly. more alive, more alert, fitter, stronger and healthier. And I think there's a thing in the West where as men get old, we're expected to become fat and lazy we're expected to get yeah. the middle age spread we're expected not to be as active and the odd man that improves as he gets older is held as the exception yep. you know what this should be the fucking norm we need people out okay. there to celebrate men and say you know what you ain't gonna get fat you ain't gonna get weak as you get older modify your diet up your exercise 
as men, we should be getting, we should forever be getting fitter and stronger. I am just fucking refusing to grow old. Fuck that bollocks. I ain't growing old gracefully. I'm going fucking disgracefully. And I'm going to work harder to prove that. I'd, I'd seen this thing, uh, there was a study done by, mm-hmm. is it Johns Hopkins University Hospital? where you can actually yeah, roll back the was, metabolic yeah. clock. And I'm thinking, fuck, mate, we've always been yes. told we've got to accept getting old and getting fucking senile. Bollocks to that, scientists have proved you can turn it back. We've been told for ever since the start of COVID, follow the fucking science. Well, this is the science I'm going to fucking follow. I am going to roll back that metabolic clock. Well, you know, three things that my teacher taught me... Um, and eventually one of these days we will have a podcast about who my teacher was and all that but right now I'm not getting into it you know all about that Uh, I'm fortunate enough three things that my teacher taught me (laughs) yeah Um, three things that my teacher taught me okay and a lot of them have to do with everything that there's going on in today's world and why people have such a hard time adjusting and all that one thing is if you see a famous person doing something it's not realistic for you because like you're seeing I'll give you an example if you see Chris Hemsworth working out for this and that you know ripping his abs apart and doing this and that like yeah. you just had some kind of discovery or Disney bullshit about him swimming in the Arctic and all that like completely unreal, unrealistic horse shit if you see that and you try to make yourself do it you're gonna fail why? Because this is stuff that you don't see behind the scenes, like all the people he's got working with him, his whole support staff, how unrealistic everything they're showing for TV is is completely different from what it is in real life for a real person. Yeah. That's why even when I do my videos and my podcast, it's de- it's geared towards the average person, not someone who's an archery extraordinaire or anything like that. This is the basics of how to do something. Okay, so that's one realism. What you're looking at, two is they say you have like these aha moments, like where all of a sudden something clicks. So a lot of people, especially now, this is coming to food. You like McDonald's and you live on that McDonald's shit, or you—I don't know if they have them in the UK, but they have Dunkin' Donuts and stuff like that. <coughs> we have over here, and they make every type of concoction you can think of. So. I had a little bit of an aha moment this morning after I got all pissed off and decided I'm going to go ahead and break this whole thing and do everything, go back to where I was. So I, one of the kids last night brought me something from Dunkin' Donuts, and they call it uh, coconut refresher is what yeah. they call it. So it's made with coconut milk and some other type of syrup that they put in it. And it's like a – it's just a, a, a cold drink that you drink like that, a refresher. Well, because I wasn't feeling so hot last night, I basically drank about a quarter of it, and it's a big thing. It's like 32 ounces of this stuff, wow. which portion is another thing. Don't even get me started on. They gave me this big thing, and I put it on the counter, and I fell asleep, whatever. I wake up this morning, and I look over at it, and what I see is not the same thing that I saw last night. So in the process of the night, everything that was mixed up and stirred up in there, it reverts to its natural state. It separates out, and what you see is the most, I mean, the most horrible-looking shit sitting inside that cup. We're separated out, and it looks like it's a shitty white cream on the bottom and some clear, thick fluid on the top and all that. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing drinking something like that? Oh, yeah. 
If you were to just, if you were to take anything that you buy from one of these fast food places and leave it out for a day, look what the fuck it turns into. And if it doesn't turn into something else, then you should really be concerned. You know why? Because food that doesn't rot when it's been out, what the fuck is in it? So I've, that's I've, why I say my favorite food ever to eat is a Twinkie. Okay, yeah. but then back some sense into somebody. What the fuck is a Twinkie when it can last a hundred years? Jesus, and you can still eat the motherfucker like it's fresh. That's pure so like sugar. That, you look. <laughs> you're looking at that. Right, you look at those two things. People not doing realistic stuff because they're celebrities, and you're trying to make that can screw you up. People who are eating this stuff, but they don't realize what it is. Yeah. But then you have that when you see something like what happened to me this morning, you're like, oh shit, an aha moment. And then the thing is, when you're going to go ahead and do something, okay? When you commit to do doing something, you're changing your lifestyle, whatever you may be doing. Whether it's minor, whatever, sometimes just cha- dropping one thing that you're eating during the day can make a huge difference. Because guess what? Now your body's not that got, not got that coming in. It uses less. It burns more of its own own fat stores, and you lose weight. Whatever. Yeah. And well, all I did was take away this. I take away my 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 morning cinnamon roll, and all of a sudden I've lost five pounds in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, because you're eating less, moving same amount. Less less coming in means more self-burning, which means that you lose weight. Big fucking deal. But anything that you do when you do this sort of thing, you need to come loaded for bear. You go out hunting, you go out loaded for bear. The biggest difference that we have in today's society right now, and this is going to piss a lot of people off, is that... Right now, we've something that you mentioned before, we've accepted the fact that you can be average that you you're going to accept the fact that after a certain age your body's going to turn to shit and stuff like that and that goes mentally too because guess what i see it all the time guys who when they were younger shooting and all that they had everything going for them and they get a little bit older and all of a sudden they go to shit like everything falls apart well back in the day okay and i'm not even talking about 20, 30 years ago, I'm talking about back in the early, in the late 19th century, uh, very early 20th century. If you were the type of person who let your body fall apart, you know what happened to you? You fucking died. I was going to say, because now all of a sudden, you were finished. You fucking died because you couldn't go out to the store and buy a Swanson Hungry Man meal or something like that if you didn't have any food in the house and you couldn't cook for yourself. You had to go out there and you had to hunt every day. Yeah. You needed to stay in shape. You need to fish for what you were doing. You need to work hard. You need to cut firewood. Well, guess what? If you turn into a fat bastard or you turn into the quote-unquote dad bod, that's what would happen to you. You would not be able to do your everyday tasks and you would be fucking dead. Yeah. So the people who were really, really ripped up and into shape and all that, they they weren't ripped up because they they wanted to be. It was a byproduct of them maintaining the status through their entire life. Oh god. The problem yeah. is when you start to ease up on anything, you fuck yourself over. And that goes for your archery game, that goes for living in general, and that goes from surviving from one day to the next. Yeah. And this doesn't just apply to men. This applies to women as well. Because when 
when right now when women start to lose their form or something like that, it's because they're not exercising something like that. Some of them can't, whatever. What I'm saying is that if a woman all of a sudden sees that she's starting to show, you know, a little bit flabby in her face, something like that, she'll go and she'll get Botox injections. The, the you know, that that small percentage of people who actually give a shit what other people think about how the way they look. Yeah. And then they go and they get these Botox injections and all that to make themselves look better. If they had been eating right, then all that doesn't happen as fast. They wouldn't put on weight and stuff like that. If they're doing regular things, none of that becomes necessary. Now, I'm not knocking anyone who wants to look better for their own personal reasons. I don't give a shit. Do it the right way. But here comes the main problem with all this bullshit that goes on is that now since you can readily get stuff at the supermarket i don't have to go out and kill a cow and butcher a cow and all that i can go buy a piece of beef and that's it yeah if you accept that that's what the easy way out of life you're going to get fucked so now you just have to work hard for yourself go back to the basics and that's going to piss a lot of manufacturers off guess what now you're not buying their bullshit all of a sudden you don't need it if you're if you're in archery and you're trying to improve your shot okay am i going to go buy every tom dick and harry's um latest gadget that's supposed to make me do better Fuck no me up. i'm gonna buy a bow with eight limbs and a fucking thousand dollar stabilizer set <laughs> don't get me fucking started on that thing because we will finish this podcast with that part i promise you about that bullshit but going back to what i'm saying you can't just get away with doing this for that instant gratification. You have to be able to put in the work and keep it as a status quo so that that's not just for today and tomorrow and this year. That's for always. And if you do that, even if it's a little change, no matter what you're doing, eating for weight loss, trying to train harder for shooting, doing whatever you want, it will all come out working better. So the part of the high power archery challenge I'm going to come back with is going to be what are we doing today to make us better than we were tomorrow? Yeah. Because whatever it is today. Now, okay, I'm one of the few in this country, though there's a lot more than they say there is, but I'm one of the few Doctor Who fans in this country. I've been a Doctor Who fan since I was a little kid with all the changes and changes of doctors into a female doctor. Don't get me fucking started on that one. But whatever. <laughs> you know, Doctor Who has been a very, very big part of my life growing up because yeah. I would see a lot of the things that they said and they did in the show for something he said and there was an episode a long time ago that they the, the best doctor I forget the guy's name but he's a great actor and in one before he's about to change to the other doctor he says that you never have to worry about losing yourself as long as you you know you always do better as long as you keep on trying to get better and better and better you become many different people over the course of your life the important part is to remember all the people that you used to be because if you don't you will never never get anywhere so you can go ahead and you can become i'm not shitting you i know people that will take you in there and they used to have a show called The Biggest Loser which is the biggest horse shit I've ever seen on TV oh that weight loss show they would put them in these camps yeah they would put them in these camps and they go from weighing 300 pounds to 160 pounds and they'd be completely slim and looking natural and all that but then they have like a show a year later and these people gained all that fucking weight back well crash diet and never what worked. I tell people is that's because you. it's, a, it's not even that is that a lot of the stuff that they were teaching them, like 
they were they were restricting them in everything they had to do. So they were saying, here, now if you want to get to this point, you are forced to do this, this, and this. But they never taught them why they're doing this, this, and this, or how to maintain doing that for themselves. Yeah. So it's like you're giving the you're giving somebody a fish, but you're not teaching them how to fish. Yes. So here's a fish. So whenever you get the fish, you're fine. You can eat normal, but I'm not going to teach you how to fish because then I'm not going to make any money and I don't give a fuck. And then you'll eventually die when no one's giving you the fish. Yeah. You can go back to eating grains or whatever it is you were eating before. So the problem that I saw with all them is they forgot who they used to be. And because they forgot who they used to be, they went back to doing it and they just fell into it again, which is very simple to do. So if you're going to do any of this in the challenge, what I'm going to do is tell people, I'm showing you, look, I did this today, and this is what I did. It's not weight loss recommendations or anything like that. I'm just showing you what I did. Here's what I'm doing for next week, because if I become complacent with what I'm doing this week, I'm going to plateau, and I'm not going to go anywhere. My goal is to strive to lose all this weight, and when I get there, not to be happy that I lost the fucking weight, to find another way to improve it. So now all of a sudden, I, I get back to my 165, 170 weight, like, am I going to be happy with there and just say, fine, fuck it, I go back to what I'm doing? No. My lifestyle has changed. It's the way it's going to be. But yeah. because I need to continue to work harder towards something, now my goal is going to be, I want to get my fat percentage down to like 6%, some ridiculous number, or I want to actually have abs. I want to have this. I want to have that. You always have to put another carrot in front of the donkey. Otherwise, he doesn't fucking move. So if the donkey eventually just gets his carrot, he's, got n- he's not going to eat anything, he's a fucking mule. He's not going to go anywhere. But if you hang another carrot in front of him, he's going to fucking follow it. So you have to be that mule and say, okay, I'm dangling another carrot in front of myself because this is what I could potentially have, and I'm going to go and I'm going to get that. And that's what you're going to have to do. And the High Power Archery Challenge is going to be all about that. You're going to see a scale. You're going to see me record myself on the scale so everybody can see what it is. Because not only I think that if everyone did that, okay, here's going to be where the difference is. You can submit your videos to us. And if you want to follow, well, like here's this person who's been following along. Look, he went from this to this, you know, one day, one week. I don't care what your progress is. If you want to just take a short little video phone, send it to me, I will put it as part of that video. And I don't care if my video goes from being five minutes to 50 minutes because I have 200 people who sent me their videos because they're all having success. I'm going to put it all on there. Yeah. And this way, your response, the, the biggest thing that people have is peer pressure is they need that in order to succeed sometimes. But that's bullshit because if you need peer pressure, yeah, if you need peer pressure, it's not always going to be there. The minute someone goes to Weight Watchers, they have the peer pressure of the 87 people watching them when they step on the scale and all the other bullshit. But the minute that they stop going to the Weight Watchers, they balloon out again because they got no peer pressure anymore. Yeah. You can't do it for pressure. You got to do it for you. Just like when that Rocky movie was, finally the, the big gigantic Russian guy he's fighting, he gets pissed off and he yells at, at the Soviet premier. He goes, I fight for me, not for anybody else. Fuck it. Fight for you. Don't fight for anybody else. And that's the way we're going to do I it. Fucking so love a, <laughs> I fucking so love this. So you can it. be a part of You can be a part of that. We're going to do all that. I'm going to start to get, I got to make some artwork and all that for each one of the videos and all that. But I'm starting that this week. First video is going to be up no later than Friday. And that's commitment that I will make. And as long as it's air in my lungs, that's what we're going to be doing. And it's not something that's going to go on for 16 weeks and all of a sudden never be heard of again. No, this is something that's going to be programmed into a lifestyle. And anybody who wants to do it can follow along and do it. Now, that being said, other parts of it that will be on the challenge are for shooting better and stuff like that. Yeah. 
and you know i've i had a lot a lot of time to write my in my spell book of archery and stuff like that I actually bought the leather book and i've been writing in like it's oh, called the, uh, the angel garcia necromon no the archangel garcia necromonican <laughs> It's the Necronomicon Sagittarius, which means archery in Latin. So <laughs> that's what it's going to be. And I've actually got it. I'll put it. And it's it's not. Oh, how the fuck can I say this? It's not going to be poking fun at religion or anything like that. I think that everybody who's into archery should have some kind of a book where they write everything they fucking learn down. Because if they don't, they're going to forget one thing from one week to the next or maybe one year to the next. And I've been writing all this stuff down. Now, when I fucking kick the bucket, whether it's next week or 10 years from now, whatever it is, whichever one of my students is my number one student is going to get this book and they're going to pass it down to each other, each one creating copies of their own Necronomicon from it. And it may sound weird. I don't give a fuck. I find that if you write things down, you remember them. I will write everything down. It's I'm going to try like this. this. Old looking. <laughs> it really, really does this. fucking work. Now, the the other thing that, that goes along with this is like I'm putting techniques and procedures in there, all these different videos, tuning stuff and all the other shit. And this is the time of year, as you mentioned it before, where everybody comes out with their assorted bullshit, eight-limbed or not. Um, I, okay, so since being, being in and out of treatments in the hospital, I've probably seen... Mm. And the thing is that I'm not really doing any work anymore as far as like our archery stuff. Yeah. Um, people bring it to me, students bring it to me, I fix them, whatever. I've probably seen about five of these Matthews, new new Matthews bows. Yeah. Okay. I've seen two of the new PSEs with, um, they can be right or left-handed, whatever. Uh, That's a um, ball I can off when you got to strip the limbs off. It's not new technology. It's old technology. Um, and we've had it before. And then I've seen what you call it, a few other new bows that came out. I've seen all kinds of new shit. I've seen the the Bowtex has been around for years now with their own little tuning system. Yeah. And um, Elite has the same tuning system. Uh, Prime finally, you know, got a kick in the ass and said, we're not doing this thing with the 74 piece strings anymore. And now we're going to regular strings like everybody else. I tell you what, I've um, got one of those times now and it's fucking lush. Mm-hmm. One, one with a seven-piece well, string and cable set. Yeah. Fuck me, that's so... It, it is making me lazy, though. It's such an easy, forgiving bow to shoot. The well, Kuma spanks my ass if I don't shoot Wait, it right. You're going from um, a car with manual steering to a car with power steering. Yeah. The Kuma, for everything that it is, is a very rough bow to handle. Oh, fuck and yeah. because you were you were able to handle it and that demanding cam, you going to something like a prime, like, well, this is fucking easy. Yeah. And like it that's that's an extreme that people will see going from one thing to the other. Now you're the exception because you're going from one extreme to another extreme, but most people have no need to switch over to these bows at all. And all the stuff that I've seen in there, like Elite. Their system is very similar to the Bowtech system, except it's on the bottom, not the top, and you're not physically fucking with the cam. You're actually me- messing with just a screw set. I think that the, the only company that right now has got an edge on what they're doing is probably Elite because that system, I've helped somebody tune one of those bows. You can be a complete fucking idiot when it comes to tuning a bow, and I can show you how to tune your bow on your own with those things in about five minutes. 
Whereas with a Botech, it's a little bit more suspect. Plus, there's a yeah, the suspect stuff with a Botech, how they do it, what's required for it. Yes, you can do it easily yourself, but there's a lot more opportunity to fuck something up. Yeah. So I don't like that. And everybody else's system has been turning into just plain old fucking trash. Yeah. Um, they've they've done all this other stuff. They don't come up with anything new and innovative. They just dress it differently is what they're doing. So the industry as a whole right now is full of shit. Um, everything they come out with is basically rehashed stuff. Yeah. Um, you can look for the new stuff to come from Black Eagle because um, they're, they bought Darton and Darton is a little known company in the States. They were one of the bigger companies in the seventies when I was growing up in the eighties. Um, the reason why they were patents, doesn't he? That's why when I say, if you're looking for somebody to come up with, with a new, a, something new and innovative, if he's still involved in the, in the innovation of the new stuff, it'll probably come out of Darton because now they've got this big money company behind them in Black Eagle. Yeah. And if anybody can do it right, Randy can do it right. Um, and he's a very honest and humble person. I've had a problem with the Black Eagle order. He's the guy who picks up the fucking phone. And he's the owner of the goddamn company. You know what? One so of my friends I know is that a if Darton can steal dealer. He's the UK's only uh-huh. Darton dealer. And he said he's, fu- he's gone through and it's actually been Randy Kids that answered the fucking phone. You don't expect that. Exactly. It's phone Matthews. It ain't no. Matt McPherson answer the fucking phone, is it? Fuck no, it's not. No. And if you're if you try to call Hoyt, you'll have to go through eighty seven different levels before you get to somebody who makes decisions. Yeah. So it's like the more you let the grassroots people take over something, the more chance that there is gonna be something better on the horizon. But archery as a as a as an industry in general hasn't done much for anybody in the last 10 years as far as innovation goes. The biggest innovations have been from Elite and Bowtech with the tuning system, especially Elite with their new tuning system. And they came out with a carbon bow, which is made in a way where it doesn't feel like a fucking toy like everybody else. It actually will do very well for them. I've seen one of them that and they made it moderately priced. So they're coming up with a carbon bow that doesn't cost $2,000 US. Yeah. Um, and they're making everything here. So I think that you have two companies there in Elite and possibly Darton who are going to come out with the new shit or are at least more responsible to people when they're trying to get something new instead of just like relabeling some old shit. Yeah. Um, I think that that's where the innovation to come out with. But in the case of this fucking eight limb, eight limb spider bow that Matthews came out with, I don't want it to make, make it sound like I'm a Matthews hater. I am not. However, I am very sensible when it comes to technology. And as the more complicated you make something, the more fucking failure points it's going to have. Yeah. So now I was worried about four limbs before. Now I worry about fucking eight. And I not only worry about the eight, I worry about that rubber piece of shit that they're putting in between each of those two limbs. Yes. That how long do they think that's going to last before they have to fucking replace it? Rubber perishes. Um, the guy in in Australia, uh, Stephen Han, oh, who has I a very popular so archery supply, in his reviews. Great fucking guy to talk to. Very honest, and he doesn't give a shit what any company thinks about him. He's the biggest dealer in Australia, and he will tell you if he thinks that something is shit, that it's shit. And I've always taken the same approach. Yeah. So that thing with the rubber in between, if you think that that rubber is not going to wear out. You're out of your fucking mind. Now, for the person who believes in buying a new bow every year, 
they probably don't have to worry about it. But if you, there's people I know that have Matthews bows, like the old, old chill X and stuff like that, yes. who had them for fucking 10 years, 15 years. They're still hunting with them. Those people, if they spent all their money on something like this, because now you're talking about a bow that's $1,500. Yeah. US. You spend $1,500 on it. And you don't get three years out of it, maybe before something mechanically goes wrong, like those rubbers perish because the the rubber rubber gaskets inside there they get dry rot because remember not everybody shoots a bow year round yeah so they get put in a basement or something like that they dry rot out all of a sudden the limbs are making noise all this kind of shit can happen you you put eight limbs instead of four you have eight failure points instead of four now you add the the rubber pieces four rubber pieces now you have twelve failure points. The more complicated you make something, I don't give a shit if it takes a vibration out of it or not. The more danger there is that some shit's going to go wrong. What's easier to fix? A Volkswagen that you bought 10 years ago, which every mechanic in the world knows how to fix, or you buy a fucking Ferrari that's cost three quarters of a million dollars that someone looks in the hood and says, what the fuck is that? Oh, God, I can yeah. fix the Volkswagen before I can fix the fucking Ferrari. Yeah. So now you're dealing with bow techs out there, guys who work on bows like me, who get a new bow in and have to spend the next eight hours trying to figure out what the fuck did they do this for? How does this affect this and reinvent the wheel every fucking time? You made it more complicated and more than likely you made it more fucked up. So well, that's where laugh. the artistry industry is right now. Yeah. If you look at the... Ever since they put that little... Diddy damper on the bottom, the little Diddy harmonic. Was it the V3 or the V3X? Each one of those. Wow, this is best bow ever. There is zero hand shock. So mm-hmm. you think, right, I can't improve on that. Next year, there's even less hand shock than last year. And this year, you look at it again with all this fucking shit they've got going on. So if three years ago you got zero hand shock, this fucking thing must now be sucking vibration out of the air. Next time we get a fucking earthquake in LA, get a shit ton of Matthew shooters, <laughs> let them all shoot the bows, and let's suck the vibration out the tectonic fucking plates. So, so when someone says that, like, well, it's the one from three years ago, we just put this new piece on there, it's zero hand shock. But two years later, like, well, this one has less hand shock than last year. So that means one of two things. Either A, you're full of shit because it's not really less hand shock than the one from before. Or when you said that the other one was zero hand shock, you were completely full of shit and lying anyway. Yep. So which is it? I mean, they, they actually rely on people being awed and mystified by just hearing some jargon lines and bullshit slogans. They're like zero hand shock, this and that. And then everybody, hoy, even PSC, they're all coming out with these little things that you screw onto the bottom of the bow to put that same little pointer on there. Well, oh, God, the guys, Hoyt butt plug. Yeah, the Hoyt butt plug. There you go. And, I mean, if you guys just, you know, discovered in all your metrics and testing that the bottom of the bow is more susceptible to vibration, so if you weight it down and we put this thing on there, it's going to reduce the vibration, and you think that's fucking new? You're a lying cocksucker. Oh, God, yeah. Why are you a lying bastard? Because 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when I was shooting competitively, okay? Yeah. Do you know what guys did? We added weights to the lower part of our riser. Why? It stabilized the fucking bow better, and a little weight in a different place would actually make it shoot smoother, less vibration. Well, guess what? 
Then some guys would have the lower limb cup, okay? Yeah. Um, the limb pocket. They wanted a heavier bow on the bottom. They took that limb pocket that may have been made out of aluminum, and they had somebody copy it and make it out of brass. Shit. Now it weighs three fucking times as much. They put it on there. They painted it up. No one knew the fucking difference. Sorry if I'm blowing your secrets out of the water, only because I did it. I know. Um, and all of a sudden, they shot better than everybody else. So if by doing this with this little screw-on butt plug, as you call it, all they're doing is changing the center of gravity of the boat. Anything anything fucking new. You know this what? is that old bullshit. Like Tim Gillingham would do. <laughs> Tim Gillingham. Now, here, here, here's the guy. The mad no, fucking actually scientist. That, most of the guys who shot from Matthews did that back in the day. Um, but Tim Gillingham will find a way to create... Now, he was one of the original guys behind Bee Stinger and all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, he he actually innovates shit. That's the difference between, between Tim Gillingham and somebody who's just a snake oil salesman trying to sell you something like that. Yeah. He innovates stuff and says... This is going to work better. When you go to, to a tournament, you might see him with 57 different stabilizers sticking out of every different angle of his bow. But guess what? He's shooting the best out of everybody. So for him, it's about what works, not what sells. Yeah. And if he can develop into something later on that more people can easily use, he will do it. So if all the people in the archery industry who are involved in development, that is the one guy I can tell you right now is not a snake oil salesman. The guy actually does everything for the right reason, trying to make it easier and better. Now, does he go off the deep end sometimes? Fuck yes, because he's one of these guys where if it's not working for him, even though it was working for the last two months, he will go and switch something 72 times a day. That's what he does. He'll do it in the middle of a fucking tournament. So maybe he's a little eccentric like that, but that's what makes these people who actually do developing shit different from everybody else because they're not satisfied with the status quo or just being I made it better. They want to continue to improve on it. And when it doesn't improve, they're willing to throw the whole fucking thing out to reinvent something. And that goes back to what we're talking about. You can't be satisfied with your shooting. You can't be satisfied with your progress in how you're releasing an arrow, how you're doing on your weight loss. You got to always keep on striving for more. And if you ever get to the point where you're happy with what you got, then you fucking failed. You have to keep going more. If I took the most impressive fucking bodybuilder in the world, which I don't know who it is. I don't know which guy it is, how much steroids he's doing. I don't give a fuck. If I took the most impressive bodybuilder in the world and I took him out of bodybuilding for two months and I say, okay, fine. You can't do anything bodybuilding related for two months. And then after the end of the two months, I say, all right, get back into it. Do you think he's going to be the same? Would he ever achieve that same perfection he had? If he has the right mindset, yeah, would it make a fucking difference? He, he would have taken his time of not being able to do the bodybuilding and applied it to something else. But then the minute that I say, hey, the, the road's open, go back to doing what you're doing. He'll be fine. If he's a bullshit bodybuilder and you take him out of it for two months, that guy will go down a hill and he'll take him almost forever to get back up onto the top yeah. if he ever does it all. So you've got to be the person that if they were to take you out of it and you got to be considering that right now in the state that you're in, you're out of what you were, your norm. Now you want to get back into your norm and you got to make it like nothing ever happened. So all the bad bullshit that's happened to you, forget about it. Just go ahead and say, from today on, 
This is where it is, and this is what it is for life. No matter what I do, I'm not going to get sidetracked. I'm always going to be questing to be better and better and better than I was. And if you can do that, you succeed. And that's all it really takes. This is my if you get around that. Instead of saying one day, you say one day is day one. Exactly. One day is day one, and it'll be forever. You know, it's, it's not like I'm doing this for now. You can't be doing this for now. It's like, I think I told you once, if you're going and you're shooting at 50 meters, okay, or you're shooting at 40 yards with, with, a, with a recurve bow or something like that, yeah. and you're just, you're hoping to hit the target, hoping to hit the goddamn target, you're going to suck forever. You have to know that you're going to hit the target. Yeah. You know you're going to hit the target. The confidence is there. It allows you to do it. If you don't have that and you're just hoping like, I'm hoping I can lose this weight. I'm hoping I can get somewhere where I feel better. It's not going to fucking work because hope is nothing but a word. Hope just means uh, I'm gambling that maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. Well, would you gamble and hope that a parachute's going to open when you jump out of a fucking plane? Yeah. No. You want to make sure that that shit is going to work 100%. And if it doesn't work, you've got that lifeline parachute just in case. Your lifeline in this case now, for everybody who's listening to this, has got to be somebody else that you confide in that's going to pick you up when you think you might fall down. Yeah. So if you're on your on your road to weight loss and all that, and I don't even like to call it weight loss. I call it weight betterment. If yes. you're on the road to making yourself a better and better person and you stumble for some reason, what do alcoholics and alcoholics anonymous go to? They go to their sponsor. They talk to their sponsor. The problem is when you try to do this kind of weight loss stuff alone, when you try to do archery improvement alone, you don't have anybody to talk to most of the time. So what I'm going to say is this. If you're listening to this and you get into the new high power archery challenge that I'm going to put out there and you find yourself stumbling, send me a message. Send me a video telling me what's going on. And you know what I'll do? I'll send you a video back to prove that I'm a real person telling you that's fine. Accept that this happened to you, but pick yourself up now and let's find a way to keep going. That is so cool. Because if you don't do that then you're going to find yourself lost in the woods all by yourself and what happens to the majority of people who are lost in the woods now i've had ranger training and one of the things they teach us is you don't give up you assess your situation you stop you think you observe you plan you get the fuck out of there if you find yourself lost and alone in the woods meaning the woods of your life where stuff is not working out for you you have two options you can either give up and fucking die or you can think of what's going on observe what's happening in in a real perspective for what's going on if you have the ability to reach out a lifeline to somebody you do it we'll be that 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 place you can actually reach out to and i'll give you access to the page and all that so maybe you can answer some of these people too the whole thing is that if we all work together with someone to lean on for this stuff eventually the whole plan is that you don't need anybody to lean on to so if you have to write in every week saying you're having a problem with this you're having a problem with that fine fuck it i don't care but the goal is that eventually after you learn how to do all this shit on your own whether it's shooting better losing weight i don't care you don't need anybody to tell you that and even better than that you can become the lifeline somebody else reaches out to for that sort of thing 
Now, it may all seem like, you know, purple fantasies and all this wishful thinking. It's fucking not. If you do this and you commit to doing it, it's going to work for you. And that's all there is to it. So I'm making the commitment that as long as I have air in my lungs, once I start this channel, I will always do it. And I will be there every week posting the video. And anyone who sends me a video saying that they're having this problem with this or have the problem with that will respond to with another video or something like that. See, because I can email people back, but a lot of times emailing me is like, oh, it seems insensitive if you're just emailing them or they can't really feel or see, see the person that yeah. is sending the message back. So, yeah, I don't care. Putting the human it, element back into it. I'll put the human element back into all this stuff. I'm not making money from it. I have no intention of making money from it, okay? Right now, in my life, I'm trying to pick up three different things. Right now, I've got to take care of my body. Okay, that yeah. is getting over this whole cancer thing, getting my weight back under control, back to where I was. I got to take care of my financial situation because the wife fucking destroyed me and all the medical bills have destroyed me even worse. So I got to try to make something back up on there. And I got to try to take care of my whole world situation, meaning that I got to make everything come back together to work in unison like it used to be before. And everybody else has some kind of situation that kind of finds them like that. It could be their work is fucked up. It could be their home life is fucked up. Whatever it is, if you just want to, if you can just give a shot at working at it to make everything go together, no matter how fucking bad things are, you always got to remember, A, they could be worse, and B, someone else is worse off than you are. If you're not making shit, if you're making shit money and you can't get by, it's really, really tough, okay? Yeah. That's one thing, and it's hard, and I know that, okay? Like right now, my financial situation is destroyed and a whole bit, but I'm not. The worst thing you can do is feel sorry for yourself or completely give up. So I'm trying to find other ways to work it out if I have to get a second job to help pay bills and eventually get me caught back up. I've got $120,000 in medical bills to catch up on, but I'm doing that right now. And that's my end of it. And I have fairly good insurance coverage. The thing is that a lot of stuff wasn't covered. Yeah. So fine. I had a choice of, I don't want to do is I don't want to bill and I'll just die or I'll pay for it out of pocket and owe for the rest of my life. Fine. So I'm trying to work all that out. But remember one thing, let's just say your job is the worst thing in the world. You're not making much money. You're just barely living paycheck to paycheck and all that, right? The thing you can look at is this. Even if I can only afford to eat one meal a day or two meals a day, whatever the fuck it is i may feel like i'm the worst person in the world i'm in shit shit storm of hell and all that well think about it like this there's other places in the world where people have to make a decision do i pay pay to put heating on the place to heat my home and to keep us warm in here to take care of my family or do i actually put food on the table and you don't want to find yourself in a situation like that where you're having to decide one thing or the other yeah so no matter how fucked up your situation is it can always be worse and there are people out there who are living with it worse i still have a roof over my head okay i'm still able to buy things that i need okay yeah i can't afford the things that i used to afford before because i'm financially strapped but i can still do that because i persevere through all this and try to make it better because there's always somebody else who's in a worse shape than I am. This is and they don't attitude have to be... of gratitude, isn't it? No matter how big, how bad things look, mm-hmm. you can always find something to be grateful for. Fuck me, you've only got to turn on the news and look what's happening around the world. 
and you think I woke up this morning that's a blessing that's a bonus I've got a roof over my head that's a fucking bonus how many people in this world can't even haven't even got a roof over their head and don't know where the next fucking meal's coming from exactly and that's that's why I'm saying that you know when I left the hospital and everything the first time I'm like you know I'm going back to to a home where I'm by myself except for my cats um, and they keep me sane believe it or not but I'm going to a, to a home back where I can't afford the things I used to afford before I can't afford certain things that were luxuries before because I have so many different bills that I have to pay now yeah. and I'm basically in debt up to my eyeballs but then as I'm driving home I'm seeing people and this is how bad things are in the US right now people living on the streets in greater numbers than you've ever seen that before fucking in California there's tent cities full of people because they can't afford they, can't, they couldn't afford to live in the housing that they had lived in all their lives. Welcome to the and fucking she, Democrats. And, and you know, you can blame one party or the other, but in the end, to me, no matter how bad shit is, you can either accept what other people have done to you or the situation they've put you in, or you, you can say, fuck you, and that no matter how big a hole you dig for me, I'm still going to find my way out of it. Yeah. And saying that fuck you attitude where I can get out which is like it's gratitude that you are better off than somebody else but at the same time there has to be a ferocity and a gratitude PSC don't use don't sell don't sue me for using that word ferocity fuck you you had a bow that was named that before yeah, you yeah. Changed it. don't get me started <laughs> but <laughs> um, anyway you have to have that ferocity to be like the world is going to hell in a handbasket but fuck them I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and no matter what I'm going to continue to do well despite all these motherfuckers who were doing this sort of stuff because if you don't think that way eventually you'll fall into the woe is me my world is falling apart the fucking country is going to hell I personally don't give a shit about politics these days because no matter who they put in in charge it's going to be fucked up now you want to bring back Margaret Thatcher fine (laughs) you want to bring back Margaret Thatcher and revive Winston Churchill I'm all for it Bring fucking Churchill over here and bring him back. Let him lead the U.S. I'd be fucking happy with it. We'd have a real man in charge for a change. But realistically, that's never going to fucking happen. So I can either worry about things that I know won't change or I can just bring change for myself. Yeah. Remove myself from the situation and make it better for myself and not give a flying fuck about anybody else or how they're trying to make it the world a ho- more horrible place. See, I think I this do is that, one of the reasons they want to pussify people. They don't want mm-hmm. people with that attitude. They don't want people who want to strive to improve and change shit. They want people yep. who will sit down, they will lie down and take whatever shit the politicians decide to deal us, whatever shit fucking hand they decide to give us. They don't want people with big hairy bollocks and backbones made of fucking joists (laughs) that'll stand there and say, no, this is wrong. We are going to fight for better. We're going to fight for what we believe in. We are going to improve. We are not going to let you walk all fucking over us. Well, and the the thing is, likening this to archery, um, I'm a student of military history because of my former line of work. Yeah. And I will tell you right now that history repeats itself in waves. Okay. Oh, God, yeah. So when the Nazis took over, the first thing they did was take away firearms from everybody in the country. Yeah. So now if you have an unarmed public, they have less resistance to you. Yes. We find that more and more countries are doing the same thing now. So, and then 
that comes to a head, bad shit happens. And then before you know it, there's a change where people realize, oh, what the fuck is going on? They fight for a change. And then there's some normalcy. And guess what? Then it goes back on the downward swing and it happens fucking again and again and again. If you are a student of history, you'll see that happen all the fucking time. In archery, it's the same way because in archery, every couple of years, somebody comes out and with new bows or whatever and all the pros run to that fucking company so a couple of years ago everybody went from Matthews and from Hoyt to fucking elite and then they left elite and then they went back to Matthews and Hoyt and now all of a sudden all those people who were making that change they went to fucking PSE yes and PSE's pro staff is full of some of the worst human beings on the planet so all those people they navigate they migrate to different places but the the wave happens over and over again in a year or two those people who went to psc will show their true colors and wind up dropping their contracts and going back to hoyt or they can go to matthews they're going to go to darton they're going to go somewhere else history repeats itself it's a thing looking for history gratification again isn't it yes it is now history repeats itself with everything so right now we're in on the brink of becoming part of the greatest world depression ever yeah so like financially the world is in shambles and it's getting worse it's going to hit rock bottom and then hopefully it'll go back up again whether it takes two years to flatline and then start go back up or 10 years you never really know but it's a wave of things happening what i tell people is you have got two choices you can either ride that fucking wave up and down and hope for the best or you can jump off that fucking boat and do your own thing and not give a shit about it because the world could be going to hell in a handbasket if you're taking care of your stuff you're taking care of your income you're taking care of your family you're taking care of your body and all that I don't give a flying fuck if the aliens land you're going to be okay but if you just decide to become complacent and ride the fucking wave well guess what sometimes the ship goes down the end of the wave and it goes under the fucking waves and sinks so don't be a part of that ship that sinks keep yourself afloat do your own thing don't give two shits about what's happening on Facebook on Instagram on TikTok any of that bullshit okay I was in the hospital I'm looking at TikTok and the shit that I saw on TikTok I'm like what the fuck is this I mean the worst things in the world are on TikTok. Oh, I've, I've archery I've has now gone to TikTok. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Some of the shit on there. So, archery has now started to show up on TikTok too, where some guys are putting these little TikTok reels and stuff like that on there. Like, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. And remember what I told you about some of that dangerous shit you would see on YouTube. Oh, it's yes. starting to show up on TikTok also. So, a lot of stupid shit. It's going to just infiltrate to TikTok. It's already been on Instagram forever. All kinds of shit like that. Those are all external forces vying for your attention. Yes. Anyone who's listening to this podcast should know one thing. The people who run Facebook, the people who run YouTube, the people who run Instagram, the people who run TikTok, okay? Yeah. This may come as a shock to you. And I'm going to sound rather unpleasant when I say this. They don't give a flying fuck about you. They don't care anything about you. You are just a number to them. And the more that they get you to watch that shit, the bigger chance there is they get you to buy something off it or they can see what your habits are so they can learn greater ways of manipulating it and fucking with you. So 
Social media as a whole is bullshit and the worst thing that ever happened to the planet. Aside from spreading information like YouTube has a good part of it, the rest of it is all complete horseshit. So you can either try to get into the machine and use it for what it is, which some people try to make money on TikTok and Facebook and all the other stuff. But if you do that, and that's why anyone who knows my Instagram page is kind of sucks because it's not a lot I put on there. I put mostly pictures of when the kids are doing well and stuff like that. If you get involved in that shit, it's very, very easy to get caught up in the grinder of that machine and get sucked into it. Oh, that, and that, that can be anything harvest. from... So they're the yeah. greatest data harvesting things for targeted advertising ever developed. Exactly. So when I was a kid, we had a thing called subliminal messaging where there was a message inside of a billboard that you saw or something you were listening to that um, mentally was telling you to do something else. Buy this, do that, buy this, do that. Yeah, that got What the fuck do you think is going on in all that? What do you think is going on in all that bullshit with TikTok and Instagram and all that? It's all advertising and trying to get you to buy other stuff or even worse, trying to get you to change your your socially acceptable curve to act and behave the way they want you to. I drove down the, the, the highway this morning on the way home, and there was a sign that actually said, fucking obey. What the fuck? What are you trying to get me to obey? I don't I, think it's I the think law. I think they need to realize 1984, the book yeah. 1984 by Orwell was a fucking novel, not, a, not an actual handbook for government control. So this is all, this is what the dangers are of the stuff. And the bigger danger is all the kids now kids are seven eight years old have their own cell phones they have their own pads they're all watching this bullshit yeah so none of my kids that i train and i'm trying to get back into training as much of them as i can now but none of them are allowed to have cell phones or ipads or anything like that when they're training and i tell the parents you want them to see in school get rid of that bullshit if they have to have a phone, restrict it so the internet doesn't work on it, and they can only call you back and forth. Why? All this shit pollutes their their minds. Oh, gotcha. It pollutes the minds of adults and of kids. So I'll probably get get taken out by the Hillary Clinton people for saying all this bullshit, but I'm just fucking saying they are trying to influence you in indirect channels, and they're hoping that you buy into the bullshit and become obedient and subservient to what they want and curb your 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 vision of things to the way they want you to see them because then it becomes acceptable. Guys become less masculine, less of a problem. Now they now you don't have to worry about them rebelling on you. That's how you prevent revolution. Yeah. Girls become doing this, that, whatever, and then they also uh, become the decline of the social network and they 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 decline as a society because guess what the people with a lot of money and all that they're not letting their kids get into any of this shit they're not letting their kids get into debt buying all this stuff why because they know better well that's what's happening works exactly so it's always saying that the people who have the least amount of money spend the most amount on fast food why because they're socially conditioned to do that yeah. When if you have a little bit of money, you can buy food and cook it and not have to worry about that. But no, you're socially conditioned to do that. And they've won with that. Yeah. But like I said, the world is all what you make of it. But you worry about you and you stay on a path of trying to improve every day. And then 
everything will be fine. So I think that the new the new challenge channel that I'm going to put up will work fine for that. Um, I'll send that information to you so you can post it for your people and stuff ah, like that. Thank you. Um, yeah, we've been at this two hours. I think we've probably gotten enough government agencies coming after us right now for everything <laughs> yeah. you fucking say. There, there is uh, one <laughs> other thing I want to ask you about, Archery. Sure. This is going to piss people off as well. We were talking about the the instant gratification yeah. and not working hard. One of the archery mm-hmm. bodies I shoot under is all unknown distance. Yep. The guys mm-hmm. at the very top level there, they can all, if they know the distance, they can all shoot perfect scores. Exactly. The mm-hmm. Half of me thinks, well, this isn't an archery competition anymore. It's a yardage judging competition. But then you think that's just one other facet of it we should work harder at. I remember, was it on one of Greg Poole's podcasts? They were on about ASA, and suddenly they brought in the known class to to allow for people that couldn't judge distance. They wanted to win. They didn't like the fact they couldn't win. They wanted to win. They wanted this. They wanted this instant gratification again. I say work harder on your fucking distance judging your bunch of pussies. This is going to piss people off. But it then puts... We all moan about the cost of archery equipment going up. I know the last few years has been problems with raw material supplies post-pandemic or pandemic, however you believe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before then, every time these guys pushed for a new class course they wanted to win without working, they expect the archery yeah. companies to place contingencies out for them as well. And everybody wants to be a sponsored archer. I've got fuck all so chance here's that. The I thing. don't want to do that because I'm a potty mouth twat who loves running his mouth too much. He, he, here's the thing with this, all right? It's um, pushing up prices I, of bows when everybody wants more classes with more prize money out of the archery companies. So what they're doing right now, um, and this is nothing new. It's been going on for the last couple of years. I have an ASA number. I registered for the ASA before... There was a known pro class. Yeah. Okay. And back then, on the unknown, which was everything, IBO still has it. The guys who won were the guys who could judge distance the best and knew how to calculate risk the best. Yeah. So they knew that if they misjudge, they're willing to accept an eight instead of a 10 because they can still win with it. Yeah. And they were really, really good shots. Then all of a sudden, it was just two or three guys who were winning every fucking tournament. Levi Morgan, Dan McCarthy, and maybe one or two other guys who were less well-known. Jack Jeff Wallace. Hopkins or something like that. Jack Wallace. Now, all of a sudden, because nobody wanted to get involved with that, because the same fucking guys were winning all the time, because they were the only ones who were actually putting the time in to learning their judging. Okay, yeah. you got to be able to judge on hills, on straightaways, on downhills. All that shit is very, very hard. I know because I hunt and I don't leave without a range find. Yeah. Okay. So nobody wanted to compete against these guys. So now you have a field of maybe a hundred guys competing. So they said, "Fuck it, we're going to bring in the known class." So they're going to tell you exactly how far you're going to be shooting. Yeah. You may notice that 95% of the fucking guys who are shooting in that division are all world-class indoor shooters. Yes. These are the guys who can shoot fixed distances and are used to 
making it not a strategy game anymore. It's a points game because they can shoot pinpoint asshole of a fucking ant somewhere with their setups. And the only thing they've had to learn to adjust to is upwards and downward cuts. Yeah. Which you can make a chart of that in a weekend. Yeah. And just look at the degree that's down. Boom. I know what it is. I know how much to add or how much to take off my shot. And it's very, very precise. So to them, it's shooting a fixed distance no matter what. More people are now willing to play that game because they feel that now you've you convinced a whole load of people they have a shot of competing against these guys. Yeah. But in reality, they fucking don't. It's the same people winning every week. The same 1% will win every week because it's the same thing. Whoever is the one who focuses on their game. Remember, in those ranks for known pro are professionals. Yeah. One time when I was shooting professional, okay, professional meant you were shooting in the hardest division there was, but you were a regular guy. You still had a regular job. You had all that. These fucking kids don't have jobs. They get paid by the archery company to travel from tournament to tournament. And for the most part, they're all on contract and none of them have regular jobs, which means you, the average Joe, are shooting against somebody who the only thing they do for eight hours of a fucking day is shoot their bow. Yeah. I mean, this this is this will also be a wave. This is going to make me mega unpopular. I love watching Chris B's videos. I think he makes entertaining videos. I remember yeah. when he first started, uh-huh. he, he said, right, I'm starting a Patreon channel because I want to be a YouTuber, but I can't afford yep. to be a YouTuber. I thought, well, go out and get a job and earn the fucking money then. Don't stand there on YouTube begging people to give you money so you can, so you yeah. can become a YouTuber. I, he does, I, I yeah. love his videos. I think they're really entertaining. There's a, there's a fair bit of shit chatted in them. They're just aesthetically, they're visually pleasing. They're nice to watch. Because they, but I think... They put all their money into it. Yeah. yeah. But when but he says, very I afford to do this, you look at the house he lives in, the paid hunts he's going on, I think, fuck off, you're talking utter bullshit. You live in a mansion that's got like a fucking farm behind it. With a pool exactly. bigger than some fucking village greens. Don't tell me you can't afford this. Get off your ass. Get a fucking job. Don't sit there saying, oh, please give me free money. I want to be famous. Oh, it, it, that yeah. pisses me off no end. It really does. Well, again, it's a lot of TV, well, not TV, YouTube personalities who started out with humble beginnings have gotten like that. Yeah. Okay? And you'll start to notice that they're all about content driven and trying to make it sound like they're the most humble people trying to help the average guy out there, right? Yeah. Clandestinely, not always, but most of the time, they're also have got a game plan. I'm yeah. going to make myself more and more popular until some company picks me up. Yeah. And when that company picks them up, they're tuned slowly but gradually until suddenly they're day and night from what you saw two years ago. I, I've, I've, Where I've all got to of a say sudden, this in Chris B's defense. Videos I've seen of places like Vegas. Yeah. If a kid walks up to him, he'll spend as much time as he's got talking to him, advising him, just being a, gen, a generally nice guy to them. Yeah. Which, fair, fair play to him, you know. I may, I may think, you know, that, that's a lazy-ass attitude, begging on YouTube for money. Mm-hmm. But... He is putting he, he is putting back and like I said does make very visually pleasing videos. 
But I, so, I, whenever they, they launch new bows, I will never believe a word the sponsored shooters say. No. And that's the whole thing. That, like, they go from making you think they're the most humble and awesome people in the world, and then they sign with a company, and then all of a sudden, everything that that company puts out can do no wrong. It's the best thing since cheese. And they become very, very commercialized. And that's happened to a lot of big names in the industry. Yeah. Some people have resisted it happening to them. Levi Morgan, even though he shot for Matthews and Elite for years, he's not a hawker. He doesn't yeah. go out there. He doesn't try to push a product just for the shit of pushing it. These other guys have all gone that route. And I don't particularly care for it. Plus, the personality that you see on TV, I'm not saying this is the, the case in Chris B's thing. I don't know him that well. Um, but I can tell you with a lot of other people that would be very surprising, but I won't mention their names on here because they would probably have a heart attack. Um, seem like the most welcoming and humble and pleasant people on their YouTube videos. And when you meet them in person, because I've known them for over 20 years, are the most terrible fucking human beings on the planet. Yeah. So what you see on YouTube, remember, is a lot of times just the Hollywood effect. Yes, it's not what they are for real. So always take whatever someone says when it comes to talking about a product with a grain of salt. With yeah. few exception, most people are there because they're earning a paycheck from somebody. Yes. So that even goes to the less known people. So if you see somebody like, hey, you know, you've been watching their videos forever. All of a sudden, they're like really pushing this one particular fucking site. And I'm not going to say which site it is, but everybody knows which site it is right now. Oh God! Yeah. Everybody, every personality out there is saying, "Check out this brand new site that I just got from such and such company, which happens to have a big white fucking wheel in the middle of it." And that's about as much as I'll say about it. <laughs> and everyone thinks it's it's the greatest thing since fucking cheese. Well, guess what? They're being paid to say that. They're not being. Oh well, this is no. They're being paid for it. If there's yeah. a paycheck in it, they're doing what they have to do to better themselves. I now mean, you can't knock that, somebody for wanting to better themselves. No, you can't. But at the same time, if it's a piece of shit and it really doesn't do what they say it does, then I'll knock them left, right, and center. Yeah. The only person I know who doesn't do that is Stephen Hand with oh, Archers. I, I love his videos. I love his videos, and because I love he, the way he doesn't says, give a fuck. This is going to get <laughs> me into ca- trouble with this manufacturer. This is. Yeah. I don't care. I'm being honest with it. His famous videos are out there. He'd be like, here's an X10 shaft, which costs you about $47 a shaft. A, a whole dozen of these, it costs you about $600. Yeah. Here's a Pandaris shaft, which does the same exact fucking thing. Not that much different and costs $4 a shaft. Fuck the X10. Use the Pandaris because to the average person, the one or two points in a match you may get from the X10 doesn't mean a fucking difference. And you're not shooting professionally. So who fucking cares? Oh, God. Very down to the earth like that. It's like they said that over here with the Pro Tours and the Pro Comps and the X10s and everybody says, but, but, but Rio Wild shoots him and he's so good. Guess what? You could give Rio Wild a piece of fucking dowel out of fucking Lowe's or Home Bargains and he'd still shoot like that. It's the bloke behind the bow that's doing the job because he works fucking hard. And, and just seeing what someone else is and just seeing what someone else is doing doesn't mean that that's going to work for you. Because I can take Rio Wild's bow, I can strap a rope to it, throw it over over the side of a fucking ship and I stopped the Titanic with it. It's so fucking heavy. Yeah. I, that doesn't mean that if I put all that weight on my bow, it's going to do the same thing. And I've had people bring in rigs. They were modeled after his. I'm like, why the fuck do you have five pounds of weight on this bow? 
well, I can't hold it up now. Like, well, no shit. That works for him. That doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So I said, I told one guy, I said, honest to God, if you saw Levi Morgan wearing pink panties outside of his pants during a tournament and win the tournament, would you go out buy a set of pink panties and been wearing wearing those outside your pants everywhere you go? He goes, well, that doesn't make any sense. I said, there are people who would fucking do that. Only so don't fucking just take what you see. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't just take what you're seeing as fact that's going to be good for you. It doesn't mean shit. And they're like, wow, I never thought about it like that. I'm like, well, you should. Now shut the fuck up and get away from me. Well, I, I shoot I Skyline them. and cross but, arrows, which I paid less than 60 huh? quid. I, I shoot Skyline arrows, which I paid less than yeah. 60 quid a dozen. I've got half a dozen spare. I'm going to send them over for, to Anthony for him to have a play with, see what he thinks of them. Mm-hmm. I've put them on an arrow analyzer, and they're within 2 or 3% on tolerances of a $150 set of victories. I'm I'm yeah. over, I'm over the moon with them. We've got a lot of shit going on with the postal service strikes and problems with couriers over here at the moment. So I'm not going to yeah. ship mate till that, those industrial disputes uh, kind of settled down. So I don't want them to sit in a warehouse for three months and get lost. But I've got a, I've yeah. got them packed up, ready to go. And as soon as the postal situation is better, I'm going to ship them over to Anthony and let him have a play with them. Because they, they work out at about. Five pound, which is what five and a half dollars a shaft. That's it. Yeah, they're ridiculously and they're great and they work. It's like I tell people over here. They're like, "Oh, you shoot X tens and all that." I'm like, "If I was getting them for free, I probably still wouldn't shoot them because they're a complicated shaft to tune." Yeah, I shoot two shafts here. That's it. Hunting, I shoot a deep impact. Yeah, from Black Eagle. Target, I shoot an X impact for outdoor. Yeah, that's it. And I shoot a PS23 or a PS27 for indoor. That's it. I'd, I'd well, like why aren't to you shooting the Black Eagle? X10s. But I can't justify the, 150 quid and a dozen arrows when when we're taking gentleman shots, we're shooting ridiculous shots at unknown distances, and I'm going to be smashing Oh, yeah, that, that, that's right. the whole thing. Like, the Black, Eagle's not, the Black Eagle that I shoot, the X10 for outdoor, that's for outdoor target, FIDA-style yeah. shooting, that sort of thing. I would never use that for 3D because... I can't justify the cost of an arrow like that in 3D. Yeah. I don't get shit for free. I pay for everything just like everybody else. Yeah. However, I would much rather justify paying $150 a dozen for X impact shafts. And with the components and all that, maybe I'm spending $200 a dozen totally, yeah. as opposed to spending 800 bucks a dozen for built up X10s. Oh, Fuck God, that. Yeah. I can't. I I'm not going to spend that kind of money on it. Yet I have people who think that that's going to make the difference in their kids' games and want to do that. And I'm like, if you really want to do that, fine. I'd rather see you take that $600 difference and spend it on something that they need, like clothes or food for the house or something like that. Because trust me, it's not going to make that big a deal. Or if you and I prove it to them. How about coaching? Uh, yeah, go to a coach. Pay a coach, somebody that. Again, this comes down to finding the good coach, which you've covered in depth before. Yeah. But, pay for some coaching that's going to get you more points with the money and time spent with a good coach is going to get you more points than switching your arrows up like right now everybody's like oh I'm switching releases I'm going to this release I'm going to that release I'm going to this release I'm like keep playing your fucking hot potato game it ain't going to make a goddamn bit of difference 
It's like when your body gets used to that release because you didn't concentrate on learning technique instead of con- instead of changing it up for a little while, your body will start doing what you were doing before because you never concentrated on technique. Yeah. And I had guys, like I said before, who they think they're all hot shit because they bought the newest rig and this and that newest target rig, spend $5,000 on it, come down to the archery range, shoot at 30 meters, think they're hot shit. And I'm like, I can outshoot you based on skill with just a fucking PSE stinger. Yeah. I'll take one of my girl stingers and I'll fucking outshoot them in a game of fucking 20 arrows and they won't even come even close to me. And then they feel like shit. I'm like, it's not the equipment. It has to do with the shooter. Work on your focus on your skill. Make your skill better. Make yourself a better shooter. Again, constantly improving. And it won't make a difference what the fuck you're using. It, some of the stuff they sell may make it easier for you, meaning more durable shit like that. But switching to a release that costs $250 is not going to change any different from someone who's shooting a $70 release because guess what? When the hand that's shooting that release is the same fucking hand and the same technique, it don't make that big a deal. So I, I, I shoot- think some level of beginner's coaching actually promotes target panic. I know a certain club of course where they do. you'll do your beginner's course and to pass off, you have to hit a certain score. And when, as a as a beginner, you are told your score is all that matters, there, that's the fast track, that's the express hel- express elevator to target panic. Fucking hell. Then yeah. this, this is what I'm going through at the moment. And I have to keep stepping myself back to it. Concentrate on your shot process. That it's that guy that I, I watched a documentary on YouTube about a Yumi bow maker in Japan. He his family have been making Yumi bows since the 13th century, and when mm-hmm. he teaches, he teaches if you worry about where the arrow is going to land, you've already missed. All yeah. you have to do well, is concentrate on owning that shot, and if you make good shots, nine times out of ten, that arrow is going exactly where you want it to. Well, listening to what you what you said on your last podcast about how you're trying to get it to go off and you're like, oh, fuck, it's not going to go off and stuff like that. Well, that all happens. Like I said, we'll keep it brief, but that all happens because you are shifting your focus. Yeah. Your focus is not gone from your shot process and controlling your shot and putting it on the target, focusing on the target. Now, all of a sudden, because something's not going right, your mental mental focus goes from the target to your fucking hand and like you're thinking about your hand. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're like, why the fuck isn't it going off? Well, guess what? When you mentally switch gears and now you're thinking about trying to get a shot to go off, you forget about your fucking target. Yeah. So you might be two or three rings off when you do something like that. What it has to be is you have to adjust the. So the biggest fallacy that I've ever heard is to not have a controlled shot. Yeah. Meaning Joel Turner, his son won Vegas and all that. They say, well, you squeeze your shoulders together and you keep squeezing and relaxing until the shot goes off. Okay. Anyone who's a hunter will tell you that's complete and total horseshit. It doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work is because if you don't know when the shot's going to go off, you mentally don't know where your brain is going to be focusing on when it does go off. Yeah. And if it goes off at the wrong time, it's going to miss. So what I tell people is don't invest time in trying to imagine a perfect shot. What you need to do is learn how to control your release. So I know that my ring finger is the one that makes my shot go off. 
I'm pulling, but I'm squeezing with my ring finger and keeping my button static inside my thumb. So as I squeeze my ring finger, I have the ability to just stop the shot or to set it off. I'm not punching, but I'm squeezing it. So what happens, I'm concentrating on the target. I'm pulling and I'm squeezing and I'm pulling and I'm squeezing. Boom, it just goes off because I know that what's happening is my ring finger is actuating the release to get into the rocker position and to fire. Yeah. And I can stop or start that anytime I want. In the case of hunting, if a deer is walking past me, and I've got a couple seconds. Well, if I'm going to wait for the fucking shot to go off, guess what? He could walk behind a tree by the time it goes off. Yeah. But I can force myself to actuate it, not punch it, being like saying pull, pull, pull. And all the saying pull or whatever phrase you want, all that does is take your brain at, off the actual function of your finger when it's squeezing. Your finger's in a self-motor mode. It's already doing what it's got to do. Yeah. But you have the ability to stop it if you had to. If you don't learn how to do that and you're just hoping for the shot to break when it breaks, without complete control, you will get random. It'll happen sometimes where it's going to work to your advantage, but a great majority of the time, it's going to fail you because you're going to find it it hangs up or something is a distraction. And it could be even a distraction you even know about. The the wind could start blowing another way. And all of a sudden, your brain is thinking about the wind. Now, all of a sudden, the, the release process stops working because you're focusing on the wind. Yeah. But if you train yourself to be just a mechanism that, like, as soon as I say I'm going, my my ring finger starts starts squeezing, and I start pulling, start squeezing, and I start pulling until I say that I don't want to do that anymore, then the only thing I'm focusing on is delivering the, the shot to the target. And then it works 100 times better that way. But it's something that's very difficult to teach people. But all my kids that shoot and the ones who do particularly well in, in feeder tournaments, they do not progress past 30 meters until I can see that they're able to stop a shot when I tell them they can they have to stop a shot that they're able to pick up and let down whenever I whenever they want to and more importantly if I ever see their attention drift from the target to anything else I'll make noise around them I actually have a pair of symbols that I bought in a pawn shop for <laughs> 20 bucks that I'll, I'll ring the symbol if all of a sudden I get a twitch because like their, ear, their, their eye looks at me put your shot down because now you just broke the process yeah so i teach them to tune all that shit out when they're at 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 my house shooting in in my in my shop that i have over here i have the tv on and blasting and all that you're not shooting to the silent music of beethoven or some bullshit like that when you're in a tournament all you're gonna hear is like world war three is all the shots are hitting the the butts at the end or you're outside you're hearing birds when you're shooting a 3d tournament you're hearing crickets you're seeing a fucking deer walk past the actual uh, target deer <laughs> you're actually shooting at <laughs> distractions all that shit you have to learn to tune that shit out the only thing I told them that you have to be able to stop the shot is because if some jackass walks in front of your fucking target when you're shooting you can't just say oh I was forced to shoot because my process start, started and this shot broke no you gotta be able to stop your process because you actually realize something that was important and let down yeah and aside from that, there's no other re- that's why you need to maintain control. So that whole thing is, it has to be a surprise shot and all that. It's all well and good trying to teach someone like that, but eventually it will fail them. That's why back tension releases and all that other bullshit, they're meant to try to teach people how to control shots, but they do more harm than good. And you find people who switch to different releases because all of a sudden, this release doesn't work for them anymore. Let me try something new. And all it is you try 
trying something that your brain hasn't adjusted to, and eventually it will adjust to it. So some people who don't want to listen to what I tell them, okay, if you're too stubborn in your ways, but you still want to shoot effectively, what you're going to do is you're going to learn these three releases as good as you can, and you're going to keep each one, three of them in your release bag. When you start to see you're locking up, freezing up on target, something like that, Put your release back in the pouch, take out the other release, and shoot with that. Miraculously, the shit goes away for about 15 to 20 minutes, and then if it starts to come back, they'll switch to the other release. Yes. So they may have to play musical releases, but it does work like that. I'm doing a video that would help people understand what I'm talking about. If I ever get to editing it, I got to tell you, running a YouTube channel, and like I said, I don't have a lot of content on my channel right now. Um, I'm doing mostly instructional stuff and all that. The Necronomicon one's probably gonna scare the shit out of people. Um, I but can't wait to see when, that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, the one, the one with the with the demon outfit and and the and the whole frock and the whole bit when I was doing with the kid, I was advised I should not publish that, and I was told that by a certain religious figure who came to visit me when I was at the hospital. He's like, my son, I would not do that. I said, first of all, I'm not your fucking son, but second of all, if you're saying I shouldn't do it, then I don't want a message from the Pope saying, hey, you can never go to a church again. He goes, no, it's just that some people will take it the wrong way. They keep poking fun at religion. I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. When we were talking about that before, like I said, just (laughs) remind them, they're they're in no position to lecture anyone when they had so many priests dicks up so many choir boys fucking assholes. So I've got Let a couple. You when you're fucking perfect, father. <laughs> uh, I've I've got a whole new angle on how we're doing that. But the Necronomicon is real, and it is being written and all that. Um, and I do know how I'm going to introduce the demon into the whole series and all that. Mm, People are going to think I'm fucking excellent. weird for doing it, but uh, it will work out. And like I said, this has been an, a long and drawn out call. But I felt there was a lot of stuff that had to be said. <laughs> so. Mm. Uh, <laughs> It's best, and we did it without being liquored up. You believe that? <laughs> I'll tell you what. We were. Was, was it Anthony that came out with that? It was on somebody's podcast. I can't remember. It was Anthony's playing the PJ drinking game, and you have to watch PJ's reviews for Lancaster. I mean, Lord knows I love PJ Riley. I, I think he's incredible to watch. But after I, said, I think uh, it was Anthony on about. You have to watch the videos, and every time he says this is the best bow ever, you have to take a shot. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. You'll be loaded in about podcast. 10 videos. <laughs> yeah. They'd just be, we'd, we'd all be slurring, dribbling messes by the end of the yeah, podcast. Because <laughs> it, it kind of, it kind of, you know, hurts your credibility when every time a company sends a new bow, they're like, this is the best bow I've ever fucking shot. Yeah. Like, Dude, you said that about the last nine bows you've tried. Are they they're getting better and better? Where you've shot some pretty shitty bows in the past, <laughs> one or the other. But you can't continue to say this is the best fucking bow I've ever shot. But you know, like you know, I would actually prefer it if he came out and said, "Well, you know, this is." the highest I've ever been paid to say this is the best boy I've ever shot. <laughs> <laughs> so hell, whoever's Rob next in line a bastard heart attack. <laughs> so whoever's whoever's next in line to bring me another bow, you'll have to increase it by five percent. I'll post my number somewhere else. That's all. And then he can literally say, This is the best bow I've ever been paid to say. <laughs> oh my god, what was wasn't he? Bowhunting.com got ripped out for that by for being paid a shitload by Toe Point. Of course. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, of course. And it doesn't have to be that they're actually paying you a check. Of course, in some cases it is. But it can be that they're giving you free products. So in exchange yeah. for this free product, you better fucking say it's the best thing since cheese. And of course, for free product, they're going to say it. I mean, if 10 points giving you a 4000 or $5,000 bow, you're going to say whatever the fuck they want. I mean, honestly, I personally don't shoot Hoyt anymore. I shot them for 17 years and stuff like that. But if Hoyt came up to me and says, we're going to give you $100,000 to do two YouTube videos, say that this is the best thing in the world, I'd be like, okay, I will say it's the best thing. Be like, I want everyone to know that I'm very unbiased in my opinions. But for the right price, and Hoyt has paid it, this is the best bow I've ever ever tried. And I still maintain my integrity. Thank you for watching. I'll say some shit like that. <laughs> the world is full of archery fucking whores. Oh yeah, we don't we didn't get into her. But <laughs> I've told you she's getting into you with a fucking wax dolly and the biggest box of pins you've ever fucking seen. <laughs> the only thing I the only thing I will say about her is that it looks like she's gotten some pretty bad Botox from people and that it's starting to definitely impact her. Oh looks. my god. <laughs> Oh, it tickled that. That really tickles me. I've been watching that new Sylvester Stallone thing, Tulsa King. Fuck me, uh-huh. the Botox in his cheeks is ridiculous. <laughs> it looks as though he's pulled he up to the tire shop. Old. They've stuck some fucking airlines in his cheeks and pressed blow. But I, I, well, I, I, I still love him. The, the guy's an absolute fucking animal, Stallone. Is he still works hard? You know, he works as hard as he did when he was making the Rocky films. And to look like that at 80 years old. Fucking hellfire. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I looked as good as him now, I'd be happy. Oh, God, but, yeah. <laughs> I've never had a but, six you know, pack. I've always come with a fucking party pack. <laughs> <laughs> look, man, uh, at this point, I'll be happy to get a four pack of you who's down my down my gut. <laughs> 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 That's all I fucking want at this point. But, you know, um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to listen to this and be shocked at the kind of shit we're saying. If it helps anybody, like I said, when the channel's up, we'll both be on that channel. I think we can we can arrange some kind of collaboration to get on there. I'm going to make it a yeah. separate YouTube channel. I'm not going to put it on the High Power Archery one. Yeah. Um, and if they want to ban the channel, fuck them, let them ban the channel, but they'll have to take me screaming with it. Um, but we're, our goal is to help all these different people, and I think we can um, help ourselves. Well, as you said, I am no fucking expert. All I am is an enthusiastic amateur just mm-hmm. documenting what I do to see what works for me. That's it. Yeah. Like, uh, this is all from, from my own personal experiences. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but it happens to work, so shut the fuck up and just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to start journaling, though. Yeah. So I, I so, think um, I'm going to start writing down what I do, what works. And that was yeah. one of the reasons I started this podcast. It's like an audio diary for me. I can listen yep. back. Turns out I hate listening to my own fucking voice. Well, if you listen to my very first podcast I ever did, I had the most monotone voice. I was like, and if you want to do this, then you've got to do that. And then I lost all that shit about after about 10 episodes, and I figured out what my personality was. Like everything else, you grow in it. Yeah. Um, and our idea is to take people now who are having a hard time with anything in life and allow them to grow with us at the same time so they can become better than they were yesterday. So, you know, I mean, it's, we already know people love your voice, don't we? 
So, I had a message so tonight it, to say hi to you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. The one thing, the, the one thing I'll, I'll part with is this: um, it's it's not it's not what you do, and this is just my own thing. Yeah, it's not, and I tell this to the kids all the time, and I'm not some fucking Chinese proverb or anything like that, but I do come up with some of these things on my own occasionally. Um, it's not what you do and how things go for you when everything is going right for you. It's more important what you do and how you react when shit is going to hell in a handbasket. Yes. Because that's what shows the proof of what you really are. And as long as you can come out of it better than you went in, your job is done. If you become complacent and you just accept what's happening to you, you're done for. So just rely on being a better person when shit is going sideways on you yeah. and you'll be just fine no matter what your situation is oh superb I love these pearls of wisdom from you Angel <laughs> well take them all you can get them who knows how long I'll be around I'll tell you what when 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 the end does come, we're going to dig you up out the ground and fucking Frankenstein you just to keep you around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think someone else will try to steal my fucking body. That <laughs> <laughs> she's going to salt your ashes, isn't she? Oh shit! Yeah, it'll probably wind up on a tree stand that she falls out of. I don't know. <laughs> we can only hope for good things. <laughs> and evil does make a good. <laughs> you may steal my body and take up a tree stand with you, but if it results in you falling out, it was worth it. <laughs> and like I said, we won't honor her by mentioning her name, but she knows exactly who we're talking about. <laughs> oh God, yes. <laughs> Bet you get a cease and desist email in the next week. I'm going to get another fucking one of those. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you want to go ahead and sue me? Great. You won't collect. I got fucking cancer. Fuck you. Hey, you know you're on about how hard the divorce was. Mm-hmm. Don't you What's find that? it ironic? Mm-hmm. The ex-wife fucked you longer and yeah. harder in the divorce than she ever did when you were married. <laughs> or oh, was that just I, the lawyers? I, I would say that, you know, uh, this is very crude to say this, and some people may be turned off by it when it comes to divorce. Yeah. Um, you know, I could take the high road and say that, well, you know, we had our problems and we came out as better people. But I'm not going to take the fucking high road right now. I'm just going to say this. What I'm going to say is that the goal of every man sooner or later is to get fucked. However, I prefer to get kissed before I get bent over and fucked. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole point of this podcast. You know, I'm I'm, I'm an absolute potty mouth motherfucker. So you say whatever you want on here, Angel. This is free range. And all I can say is that the dating game, which I am no longer participating in, I would rather be a eunuch for the rest of my life or something, has been even worse than being married. So, yeah, no. (laughs) Just fucking give up at this point. I will never be on the down low or into guys, each to his own, but I've completely sworn off the fucking ladies for now. It's just not worth it. I have many other things that will kill me, and I'll have a better time at it killing me. (laughs) Right, Angel, we are on. 
25 to 11 here. I've got to be up at 5 yep. o'clock so, in the morning. Of course, I'm off, yeah. I'm off shooting in Buckinghamshire. It has been such an absolute pleasure to talk to you again, sir. Of course, and I will get this recording down and try to transfer it to you. Uh, so you have a Google Drive or something like that. I'll try to transfer it there uh, a little bit. Lovely. Well, let's say I've got to be up at five in the morning. I'm shooting in Buckinghamshire tomorrow. <laughs> so what, what days do I've got? I've lost track of the bank holidays. Tomorrow's Tuesday. I'll try mm-hmm. and get it up tomorrow night or Wednesday anyway. It That's has fine. Been such That's a okay. Pleasure. I have so enjoyed tonight, Angel. I always <laughs> love our talk. I figured you needed it. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I, I still haven't listened back to the back to the other one, but uh, someone that listened to it said said they really enjoyed it, and I said I haven't listened. And he sent me a bit of a praise in. I thought, oh fuck. Like I, said, I was worried when I read the show notes and said may contain may contain. Uh, opinions that trigger beaters and those without a spine. <laughs> I thought, yeah, oh, shit, well, what have I done now? Well, the whole part, whole thing is this: is to help people and to make it very clear that you are not as insane as you sounded on the last podcast. I'm just a potty mouth gobshite who, like I say, I'll never ever be a sponsored archer because I like running my mouth too much. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this has been fun. All right. It's so been we'll end this one here, I guess. Fun. Angel, All right, we'll right. have some other podcasts coming up soon. Yeah, let me just <laughs> remind folks, High Power Archer high power archery podcast is where you can find angel he's on youtube you'll find him on facebook you'll find him on instagram you know where to find me folks email me at archerygeekoutdoors at gmail.com uh twitter at a underscore g underscore outdoors uh instagram archery.geek.outdoors and tiktok archery.geek.outdoors and of course if HighPowerArchery.com is your website, isn't it, Angel? Yes, it is. Just go. There's a contact page on there for you to get in touch with Angel direct on HighPowerArchery.com. Angel, an absolute pleasure as always, sir. It is always so good to talk to you. It was fun. <laughs> it was indeed. And remember, folks, Necromonic and Sagittarius, keep your eyes out for it. <laughs> it is going to be fucking awesome. Right. Guys, uh, it's probably going to be the new year when I speak to you next. So stay safe. Shoot straight. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>